tonight josh silverberg yes been back after a year i believe about a year since i last did the show and of course my co-host tonight and it's always an honor and a privilege to do this with him i love this kid a lot speedy pd what's up man well we're both wrapping our repping our mets gear that's that's yeah. a, that's what matters most of after course. the two game subway series sweep and actually i was at the game before that it was an early birthday gift went to the padres the last game of the padres series which was a lot of fun too we had left center field seats it was a great early birthday gift enjoyed all of it well look at ben ben's already going he's back <laughs> yes <laughs> That's it, baby. Carl knows it. My two-part questions, and I'm the rumor mill. That's right. <laughs> only. No, I'm filling in for Errol tonight. He's out in New Jersey tonight doing a party. So, you know, we talked on Monday. Um, my summer job was completed. I said I had nothing to do for the next few weeks. Um, he's, you know, he, he said, I, I'm so busy this week. I said, do you want me to fill in for you on Thursday? He goes, that would actually be really helpful. Do you mind helping me? And I said, sure, I'll fill in on Thursday for you, man. I'll help with, you know, help you out, help Speedy out and everything like that. I love doing this. It's been a while, so it's been, it's been too long. That's for sure. And what makes it better is that Errol's not here. So it makes it, or as as, as Snuggler likes to call him Earl, you know, it's not, he's not here. So it makes it a little bit better. So I'm not going to be called stupid and idiot tonight. So it's great. I mean, Jeff might do that, but it's okay. Yeah, it's I wouldn't rule that out. Yeah. Well, before we get to our show, we have a guest coming on in a couple of minutes. We are going to have him on in a few minutes. Of course, we got to do our quick monologue. You can also listen to our show plus other programs that we have here live on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. How you do it is you download our app completely free. That's the best part. If you have an iPhone, you go to the Apple Store. You type in WWSRN. If you have an Android, you go to the Google Play Store. You type in Worldwide Sports. And you can go to our website, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, where you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch. Not just shows on there, but articles. You, if you're driving, you can listen to the audio feed. I am 110% guaranteeing Errol is somewhere listening to this right now. <laughs> or trying um, to, at least. Oh, 100%. Escaping exactly. his his party for a little bit just to hear oh, us. Oh, please. He, he, you know, I was talking to him on the phone the other day, and he's like, yeah, I was watching the Yankee game. Um I'm like, weren't you DJing a party? He goes, yes, so what? I had it on the side. I'm like, okay, great. That's good. You know? But uh, <laughs> By the way, Lyle has jumped in the comment section, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's been a while since he's commented on this. I can tell you. I mean, yes, and we do have Off the Mat tomorrow at 6 o'clock on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network as well and on BodySlam.net. A lot to talk about. 
Okay. He wants to call in about solar stuff. Well, we'll take calls later and stuff. Like Lyle, we were literally four minutes away from having our guest on, so. Yeah, we're, we'll do that a little bit later. But before we get into all that and all the trade stuff, and we're, before we have Dan Zamborski on, he's going to join us in a few minutes. We got to recap the. Um, there's going to be a lot of baseball tonight. There'll be some football tonight. There's really nothing happening in basketball. There's really nothing happening in hockey. You know, Kako signed his two year deal. Mm-hmm. Great. We all saw that. Who, you know, and everything like that. But. Um, getting into it really quick with the Mets and the Yankees. Um, Lyle, if you're watching the show, it has a little thing on the bottom of the of the of the of the of the, of the liner thing there. It tells you who the guest is, so that's how you can tell who it is. But really quickly about the Mets and the Yankees, and I know Speedy and I were talking before we went on the air, and the Mets took both games. Um. Oh, God. Yeah, I know who he's talking about. He's talking about Charlie. Um, okay. Then don't listen, Lyle. Um, about the Mets and the Yankees. It was very tight series. I will tell you this. And I'm sure if I was listening to this, he's going to say, oh, Speedy, Speedy knows this. Errol will say I'm either a homer or I'm too negative. It's never in the middle. Now, I've talked to Speedy about this, and Speedy says, you're not a homer. You're realistic. Yes? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where the homer part comes in. Um, the only thing we had an argument about yesterday was, who would you rather have as a closer right now, Edwin Diaz or Clay Holmes? He said Clay Holmes. I said, okay. I don't know. There's a strikeout rate that might prove otherwise right now. Yeah, that's what I said. He said, but he leads in ERA and whip and, and wins and all that stuff. I'm like, okay. So, anyway. Um, Aaron Boone had a very, very, very interesting series, these two games. It goes back to the Tuesday game where there were a couple things he did wrong. One thing was he did not walk Jeff McNeil when he had an open base. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that it would have mattered because Edwin Diaz was going to get the guys out anyway. It really didn't matter. But the thing is, he had an open base, right? And then up next after McNeil was, I believe, Edgewater Escobar. Yes. Who would you rather face, Escobar or McNeil? It's not even close. Boone screwed up there. McNeil got the base hit, got the insurance run and made 6-3. Then he decides to take out one of his best contact hitters this season and one of his best defensive players in Isaiah Kainer-Falefa for Joey Gallo. Why? I have no idea. I don't know. Everybody and their mother thought knew what was going to happen in that at bat. <clears throat> that Gallo was going to strike out against Diaz. Not that Connor Falefa would have been better, but Connor Falefa is a better contact hitter. Aaron Judge has more home runs this year than Joey Gallo has hits. What does that tell you right there? <laughs> that's a great stat. <laughs> so that's two things Boone did wrong on Tuesday. And then Wednesday happened. And the biggest, biggest thing, well, two things he did. One, he put Clay Holmes in the eighth. Which didn't make any sense to me. If you're going to use your closer on the road and it's a tie game, you use them in the ninth, not the eighth. It made no sense to me. But the other thing he did was it didn't make any – it was weird. And I don't even have to see the statistics in front of me. Speedy, you know this. Eduardo Escobar is having a miserable season. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is that Eduardo Escobar has been killing lefties all season and he's been terrible against righties. Right. And he brings in Peralta to face Escobar, a lefty. And Escobar hit a double. And it was so inexcusable of Aaron Boone to do that move yesterday. 
you know Eduardo Escobar has completely struggled against righties this year. Why on earth would you bring a lefty in the face him when you know that's the only thing he hits well? I mean, he had a home run off Montgomery on Tuesday. So to me, it just it, it was a very weird decision by Aaron Boone to make these calls. I thought Buck Showalter completely managed circles around him. Now you could say, oh, the David Peterson move didn't, you know, was a bad move. No, it is you're getting DeGrom back next week. The thing of it is, McGill and Peterson are going to have to figure out how to pitch in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Better now they than later. Tried P- they tried Peterson out, right, Speedy? It didn't mm-hmm. work. But better now than later. Why experiment with this and rather than throw him in the fire in the playoffs? Well, that's exactly right. And I agree with you 100%. You're going to put him in the game in July. They're up 2 nothing. You don't think it did. But, I mean, the worst thing he could did was what he did. He walked the first batter on four pitches. Right. I mean, you knew where it was going to go. Um. So, to me, I just – it, it was – I appreciate Buck for trying because he's trying yes. to figure this out. He needs to see – listen, if you're Peterson, you're McGill, your spots in the rotation are not going to be there. They're gone. Mm. So you are, if you're going to join this team in the playoffs, you have to figure out how to pitch out of the bullpen. Peterson didn't do great against San Diego. Speedy, you were there. Mm-hmm. And he didn't pitch great on Sunday against the Padres. And he didn't pitch great last night. And then all of a sudden, Seth Lugo comes in with a cape on like he's Superman and looks like Seth Lugo from three years ago. Right. Didn't make sense. But as they say, that's baseball, Susan. <laughs> um, Speedy, what were your thoughts on these two games and on my points that I made? Did you find them to be correct in any way? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you completely on the David Peterson thing. I think I want to start with that. I was telling my one. My brother and my uncle were at the game. I was I was mentioning Peterson's going to lose his spot to Degrom anyway. Why not experiment with it now? Because also the Mets lack a lot of lefty depth too, and I think that's something that definitely could be a, a secret weapon type thing in the playoffs. So I'm good with that. Yes, I definitely agree with you on the Escobar thing. When your splits are that drastic, you should be able to see that kind of thing. Maybe he maybe he thought the reverse scenario in that case. It was kind of weird. Definitely the way you know they, what reverse he was talking about. Yeah, def- definitely it was weird. I I'm not as picky with the Clay Holmes thing just because he's done well in other roles this year too and throughout his career uh, going back to the last two years too with the Pirates. So I wasn't as fussy with that move when it came to that because the Yankees do have other bullpen death, but losing Michael King, Aaron Boone is going to have to evolve with that as well. Um, before we get to our guests, I'll just read some of the other comments. Uh, Lyle oh. saying uh, Diaz is winning NL reliever of the year. Also, I could get you somebody from Half Street High, High Heat. Yes, you can text me about that, Lyle. Uh, Snug says, after this week, we know who the best team in New York is. Go Mets. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, Lyle says, aren't the Yankees in the better division have many more wins? LOL, sorry, snuck. All right, now our guest is, it is time for to bring our guest in. It is, that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome him now. He's senior writer for Fangraphs and ESPN contributor. He is the one in whenever he's ready to come on in. <laughs> he's in, he's in on audio. I'm already he's here. He's in on audio, he's in on audio. You fooled me, Dan. How you doing, man? I, I'm doing well. I still haven't replaced my camera, so you only hear my disembodied voice. Uh, you know what, honestly, I do a, I do a re- Speedy Gnosis. He produces my wrestling show on Fridays. I mean, remember we had Kevin Castle. I think he did audio every single time when he was on with us. So 
we're used to the audio thing, but before we begin, Dan, how are you doing? How's your family doing with the, the, the COVID situation and everything like that, first and foremost? Uh, I'm doing well. We're all doing well. Everybody's healthy and alive. I did have COVID uh, on my birthday last month. Oh. Uh, I, was, I was actually pretty sick for like three or four days, and then I got better. A lot of stuffiness still, but I mean, I'm pretty much over all that. But I would not recommend it uh, to anyone given the choice. <laughs> Wouldn't order again. No, I definitely would not. I know a ton of people that have gotten it for sure. My wife had it, actually. Um, so she, because I had my eight-month-old at home, she had to leave the house completely. So I, I had to watch the baby for a week without her. It was, it was not easy for sure. And, or that, but, but let's get into the baseball talk, Dan. There's a lot going on right now. Obviously, we have the trade deadline coming up. And I know Speedy was telling me uh, you have a lot of information also about the Hall of Fame, which I am ecstatic to talk about because I've had so many conversations about that. But let's get into the trade deadline first. Obviously, the Yankees lose last night to the Mets. Right after the game is over, snap of a finger. Andrew Benintendi, you are a New York Yankee because we're not going to have what happened the last few days where we can't hit the baseball when we're 0 for 15 and with runners in scoring position. What were your thoughts on the Andrew Benatendi trade, and what else do you see the Yankees doing? I I think it was necessary. Obvious, obviously, Juan Soto is kind of the favorite acquisition of everybody for good reason. Uh, but I think if you're going, getting a short-term outfielder, one who you do not have to pay a lot for, because you get Benatendi for a cheaper price simply because, unlike Brian Reynolds, unlike Ramon Mariano, he's, he's a free agent at the end of the season, so the Royals did not demand all that much. They got a couple, you know, some interesting arms, but no one the Yankees were thinking, oh my God, we can't give up that guy. Uh, so he, he fits a role. Uh, the team kind of needs certainty. They can't wait around any longer for Joey Gallo to hit. Uh, he feels like he's going to be gone in the next couple days, either to another team or eventually, you know, possibly even a DFA if, if, if nobody takes him. Uh, I imagine someone will take a gamble on him. But he, he's a good on-base guy, makes good contact. He can play the field you know, at a level where you're not worrying about him being a DH. I, I think it's a good move. Uh, and we'll see about if he can play in Toronto in a possible postseason. But even if he can, it's still probably better than, say, getting David Peralta or Stephen Piscotti or, or, or guys like that. So I think it is a good trade for the Yankees. Now, we've heard a lot with the with I want to go to the Soto with the many scenarios of they want to include Corbin's contract or they want to include Strasburg's contract in that kind of particular deal. Do you think that restricts the teams to only certain teams or do you think that could expand it if they want to trade less prospects? It certainly changes the, the pool of teams that could be interested. Uh, I think, obviously, you'll chase off some teams that aren't going to want a huge, you know, because, I mean, Corbin's owed more than $60 million, and uh, Strasburg is a, is a big question mark and owed quite a bit of money. And I think you end up essentially diluting your package uh, of what you get in return by making people take these poisonous deals. It's like saying, oh, I'll get a great deal in my house, but you have to assume payments on my car and everything. It's like, oh, but I don't want your car. Why? You have a Mercury Topaz. I like to bring that car up as a bad car. Uh, I think, but for a team that doesn't have a lot of great prospects, I think that it would make it more interesting simply because they can actually 
pay in money instead of prospects. Uh, I think a team, they wouldn't do it, obviously, because of the ownership. But the White Sox, theoretically, with a very weak farm system, if they paid for Strasburg and Corbin, they, they might be able to even swing something for Soto. They won't do that, of course, because I can't imagine Jerry Reinsdorf would green light that. But I think teams like, like maybe the Giants, who don't have the deepest farm system, could get into it because of the ability to buy players. Uh, I don't know if the Nationals should make it a demand, though. I think that it should be organization to organization. Give some organizations with, with great prospects the ability to kind of buy them with prospects. Give the teams that don't the ability to buy them with money. You get more bidders that way. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I always find it, and it's before I get to my question, Dan, I always find it interesting is that everybody always talks about how they want the quantity amount of prospects and i always say to them it's not about the quantity about it, it's the quality of the prospects you get back i'd rather have two of the top 15 best prospects in baseball than just get like five or six mid to kind of higher prospects but on the lower number i'd rather get two of the best ones but that's just my my opinion on that i want to get to the angels uh they suck <laughs> <laughs> they they it's interesting uh bleacher report just said they came out with a post draft farm system ranking they finished last in that in the farm system <laughs> they're in last place now mike trout has a serious back issue that's going to need a lot of time and we don't know how healthy he's ever going to be again if he ever will be they have anthony rendon's contract which is egregious they signed noah Syndergaard to a contract and lost a draft pick that was very valuable to them for whatever reason they did that. And I know they're not going to do it, Dan. I know Speedy knows it too. But you have to listen for Shohei Otani offers, don't you? you got to rebuild this team at this point. If you're not winning with Otani and Trout and these guys, and your farm system is dead last in baseball, you got to fix that. I'm totally with you. I think Angels fans would riot. They're not even, like, competitive with yeah. Otani and Trout. And that's, that, that's such a frustrating thing. It's like saying you're, like, you're, like you're going out for, like, a 100-meter a, a, a race against people, and they give you, like, a three-second head start, and you're allowed to use rollerblades. That's, like, kind of what it is when you start with Otani and Trout. And then you still lose the race. Yeah, because the Angels would fall over with the rollerblades. <laughs> yeah, it's like you essentially start with with you know in in a good season the player who's been the most valuable player in baseball over the last decade, an actual two way player who is good at both pitching and hitting, and they're not just not competitive, but they're probably not going to finish at five hundred this year. And I don't know how they get better because they're not going to spend their way into con in contention. They'll make the occasional big signing, but they won't really do that much. They won't go over the, the, the luxury tax threshold. You don't have prospects to trade for players. Like, what is the plan to get better? Uh, and I don't think they have any plan to get better unless they really just rebuild uh, as 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 awful as it would be to trade Otani. Uh, I mean, if I was an Orioles fan and they traded Ripkin in 91, I would have been pretty depressed about that. But from a logical standpoint, I mean, where how do they become a good team? I don't see the path. It's really quick before Speedy goes, I mean, you're right. It goes to the point of the fact that Mike Trout's been in the playoffs once in his career as the best player in baseball. He got to the playoffs in 2014. He got swept in the first round. 
It's embarrassing. I mean, it doesn't. It it it's mind-boggling to me. That's not how you build the game when your best player only makes the first ones. But Speedy, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna comment on that with Mike Trout, especially now with this back condition, which is very rare. He thinks he could keep playing, but at what type of level? So, what do you? How do you think he will come back when he does? As in terms of his ceiling, and how do you think that could affect a potential trade value if the Angels do decide to trade him? Uh, I, I think uh, the back injury is serious. I think you have to see how it develops. Uh, I mean, there, there's reasons for optimism. He's a very highly trained athlete. He's going to have the best medical care. Uh, but the question is, is what happens if Mike Trout spends the last decade of his career as a part-time DH? That's so depressing. I think at a minimum, you probably shouldn't consider him kind of a center fielder anymore. I think I would probably want him out on the field as little as possible just to mitigate that risk. I think it's a lot safer to have him batting, you know, four times a game, occasionally running the bases, than being out there running every pitch, especially in in center field. Uh, If he had the choice to run into a wall and catch a, a, a fly ball with that injury, I'd want him not to. It's like, no, let the ball drop. (laughs) <laughs> we, we need you. We need your back. Uh, but maybe he'll be healthy. Maybe we'll have some fortune there. But, I mean, he's broken down a few times in recent years with injury problems. And he wouldn't be the first really great player to break down in his 30s. Uh, but, you know, I'd prefer not to see him have Ken Griffey Jr.'s 30s. Oh, God. I, I, I want to get into a team that's very much on the fringe. And I have – I don't think anybody – and, and I don't know if you'll know either, knows what they're going to do, and that is the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. What they're doing, like, do you trade Bogarts knowing that he might leave as a free agent? Because, and also, if if this is the package that Ben Attendee got back from the Yankees, I don't think J.D. Martinez is going to cost anything more than that either. Yeah, I think the key, uh, and frustrating for a writer because it's a very internal thing, I think the key decision is how likely Xander Bogarts is to opt out of his contract. That's kind of the thing that that overrides everything. Uh, I don't think he's said anything about it yet. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but... I don't I'd be think you... if he takes the option, Dan. I, I would be surprised. Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, that's that that that's the key that that kind of triggers things. If if he's going to be a free agent and you know that, then all of a sudden it does make sense to retool somewhat uh, because you you want to look towards the future. I think though, if you were more confident or they came to an agreement on a modified contract or an extension, maybe you do try to go for it a little more uh, this season. Uh, but really, except for him, I mean, there's there's not a lot they really have of trade value. Because as you say, J.D. Martinez, he's a D.H. outfielder-ish player sometimes. Who, I mean, he's not signed very long. It, it, he's, a rent, he's a very short-term rental. They only get a few names back. So unless they're sure that they're not getting Bogarts back and they completely fall out of the the wild card race. I think they'll probably not sell, but if they do have like a bad run the next few days, even, you know, two or three additional losses in a row could change it. I think, I, I, I think they're very much on the fence about what they're going to do. But again, I, I, I don't know the thinking of them on this specific issue. So uh, going back to the Red Sox and the White Sox, probably the only two teams that maybe are kind of surprises. We've seen throughout baseball, it seemed pretty conventional for the most part. Not a lot of surprise teams beyond that. 
Um, do you think that kind of thing affects this trade deadline in terms of being less aggressive, maybe more aggressive, that there isn't that surprise team that maybe or a surprise player that could be available? I think uh, it, it, it really depends on how... I think the Yankees and Astros probably aren't going to make any all-in moves to to make short-term improvements, simply because you look at baseball's playoff structure, and they're almost certainly going to get first-round buys this year. Uh, I, the chances that the AL Central leader passes one of them is, is really unlikely, I, I think. Uh, and in the AL Central, there's kind of this, this three-way battle, and... No matter what team wins, they're probably going to have to have a first-round match. So winning the division is as good as winning the wild card. So as as long as they're wild card relevant, uh, I think the AL Central teams do have uh, motivation to be aggressive. Uh, I think the biggest problem is I don't think any of the AL Central teams are motivated financially to be aggressive. And that, you know, kind of limits their options, especially if Corbin is included in a thing. There won't be any surprise Soto trade to one of those teams like there was the Carlos Correa signing with the Twins. Uh, I do think they're probably in competition for uh, either Louis Castillo or Frankie Montes or possibly even both. Uh, I think that's where this AL Central trade deadline is going to go. Uh, but I don't think any of the three teams are really that interested in picking up big financial commitments that could make kind of a blockbuster deal work. We are talking to Fangraph senior writer and ESPN baseball contributor Dan Zimborski. Dan, I w- a couple more from me. Obviously, we, we got the Hall of Fame conversation. We'll get to that. But we got to talk about a great story that's happening right now in Major League Baseball, and that's the Baltimore Orioles. They continue to – I know you like that, too. I knew that. I saw Sam pop on the chat. I knew he loved that. They've been so much fun to watch. They really have been. They're a young team. they got a great farm system coming up really are doing a great job developing guys i know i know i know uh uh ellie rushman Rutsman, how do you say the name rushman rushman okay let's call him adley yeah there you go one name guy he he is going to get going at some point just drafting jackson holiday the son of matt holiday how great of a future does this baltimore Orioles team have with what they with what's going on now and what do they do at the deadline? Because you're hearing reports about Trey Mancini, it's, and he's going to probably be gone as a free agent after this year. Do they hang on for it for one run, or do they say, eh, maybe we could get something back for him? Maybe, no, we're not going to win the World Series this year, but if we make the playoffs, it's great experience for these young kids. I think when you look at the brain trust, they kind of got to this point by being cynical, coldly logical, uh, systematic about how they've gone about putting a team back together. And I expect that if they get an interesting offer for Mancini, I, I think they do trade him because they do have outfield depth in the minors. You look at look at their high minors. One of the things that amazes me uh, is that when I reran uh, the Zips projections that I do, uh, when I ran them for the Orioles midseason, 14 of the 15 top prospects going into the season had better projections at midseason than at the start of the season, which was just shocking because that's quite a lot of, you know, coin flips that turned out right. Uh, but you look at Gunnar, Gunnar Henderson, he's a top five prospect now. You look at Kyle Stowers, he had a huge season. They actually are getting to the point where they might not have room in the outfield soon. Yeah, uh, they have the number one farm system in baseball right now. Right yeah, it's wise. it's it's a team that has a, has a big future, and if they can move Mancini, I, I think they do. Uh, it's just It just makes too much sense not to. 
and I think in the end, it would probably involve another player from the farm system getting called up to look at, uh, and maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, because uh, realistically, the Orioles are probably not going to make the playoffs. Mancini might no, have no, a better hold chance. On. Not the yeah, I'm, hold I on. know, I know, I know. And but listen, I... let me tell you, Cedric Mullins is one of my favorite players to watch in the game. I love watching that kid play, man. He is so much fun to watch. Love watching Cedric Mullins play. If he gets into the playoffs, watch out. I'm telling you, serious. Now, the Orioles aren't really going to listen to any deals for, like, Mullins or anything. That's no, probably off, no, completely no, off the table. No, no. Uh, but Man City, I think, is a possibility. Uh, I think the problem for, for getting into the playoffs is you look at their rotation and think, is this the rotation of a playoff team? I mean, Tyler Wells is kind of their second starter, uh, and that, that, that does concern me. Uh, is one of the best in baseball. Yeah, if you can get to the bullpen, but you got to hold the lead to get to the bullpen. I'm from Baltimore, so I'm programmed to be optimistic. So I'm very happy about the team's future. But I think that there are scenarios where you tr- where you trade Mancini. Mancini. Uh, sorry, I tried to make nice. a bad pun. Uh, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, but, I mean, say they only get offered, like, some 27-year-old in A-ball or something. Then I think you, you, you kind of hold on to Mancini because you, you don't want to trade him for a lottery ticket. But if you could get someone who you look at and you see a real role in the future of the organization for that player, and then it, it's hard not to do that, I think, under those circumstances. So are there any trade deadline targets that maybe haven't been as, in terms of, like, as highly touted, maybe under the radar that you think – could be a guys that could be moved and make a big impact on teams? Uh, I, I think, um, I don't know about an impact, but the Reds could, if they don't like the deal, hold on to Luis Castillo and maybe trade Tyler Malee instead. He's also not vaccinated. That might be an issue for a team like in Toronto. But I think that there are teams that are in contention that could use someone who can eat some innings. Uh, you look at, like, the Braves, and they are a team that needs someone, just need, you know, a three or four starter to just soak up some innings uh, with Ian Anderson struggling. Uh, and you could be, if not Malik, you know, Jose Quintana. There are, there are interesting players out there to, to go for. And we talked a little about Xander Bogarts, but... If we got to the point where the Red Sox were sure he's opting out, he could he all of a sudden becomes a huge, huge uh, player available in the next few days. And you haven't really seen a lot of people talk about that yet. Uh, I, I I think that there's you know there's some lower key possibilities out there, uh, but I don't know. I mean, who's going to really pay for Mike Miner? <laughs> the Rockies, no. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Dan, I got to ask you this because, you know, I've been putting it off for a while. I, you know, because, you know, there's another person that is usually on the show that likes to call me a homer, but he's not here. So, you know, I see I've gotten all. Did you see my fan base tonight, Speedy? Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like I show up once and the world gets set on fire with it. <laughs> but let's get into the Mets. You've heard every name under the sun connected to them, from Otani to Soto to Mancini to Contreras to Robertson to Bell to Crone to to my next-door neighbor, possibly. I don't even know. They might be interested in him. Uh, who are 
what do you first off what do you think the Mets are going to do at this deadline because I really firmly believe they're going to make a lot of moves because from what I've been reading they're going to be the busiest team come Tuesday with the bullpen and their lineup what moves and what players do you see the Mets realistically acquiring and getting I, I would love to see them uh, bring in Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. Uh, as as I've as as I've been joking, they need a catcher because of James McCann's injury, and they also need a catcher when James McCann is healthy. Uh, and Wilson Contreras fits that bill. Uh, you won't have him in a game and beg for Jeff McNeil to pinch hit for him and instead watch him flail away at the plate like a certain Tomas Nito, which who we won't mention, uh, but. I think that he should be the number one target for for the Mets. And, you know, they have swung deals, uh, the two teams in the past, just last year. Uh, I, I, I think that I, – I, I think he's just their, their number one guy. And then, of course, bullpen depth. Bullpen depth is a really big issue. Now, really quick before Speedy goes, do you – do you find it getting maybe a catcher, though, as great as Contreras is? Because he's right now arguably this year the best catcher in baseball this year numbers-wise. Do you find, though, getting a catcher in the middle of the year to be kind of a troublesome thing, trying to get used to the pitching staff with only about two months in the season before the playoffs? Did that kind of mess things up a little bit and scare some with the chemistry? I think, I mean, that's a concern, but you also look at it compared to What's the best way to improve a team? It's fixing the deepest hole. And I think you look at the lineup, and probably the biggest hole, I would argue, is catcher. Uh, Contreras does have a record with, 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 picture, with handling pictures well. Uh, you know, pictures come in and out all the time. You trade a picture to a new team, they get a new catcher anyway. Uh, I think that the payoff is worth the risk. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you can't go after whatever relief pictures become available. Like if you say you're going to bring in, I don't know, a, a, a slightly uh, revitalized Daniel Hudson or something. Nothing in a Contreras trade would probably prevent any of those things from happening. So I, I, I want to mention, because pitching has been going to be the thing that's been traded a lot outside of the top players, but you also mentioned somebody like Trey Mancini. I've always said that a lot of the times the right-handed hitting market is not always prioritized as much. Do you see that kind of thing being different at this trade deadline with a lot of the names we brought up? I, 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 I don't think so. Uh, I think the problem with the deadline is always going to be you're limited to a, a, a few players, like to who's there in any year. In any year, what's actually out there can vary. Uh, like if you're looking for a shortstop this year, it's it's not a deep group at all. I mean, you're essentially going after Jose Iglesias, <laughs> uh, or of course Xander Bogarts if that should happen. But otherwise, uh, failing that, uh, I mean, you look at a team like the Cardinals, and even more than Juan Soto, they could use the Juan Soto pitching equivalent. But there, there is no Juan Soto pitching equivalent out there available by trade. Uh, so you have to kind of go with what's out there. Uh, and I think there are some interesting bats this year. We haven't really talked about Josh Bell. Uh, so teams that need help there, I think the Padres are one of those teams. They really could use another bat on that side of the defensive spectrum. A corner outfield, another first baseman to kind of spell Hosmer, another they, they, they can use offense from wherever they can get it, uh, which is why you've seen in recent uh, hours that, that, that the Padres and Juan Soto have been linked larger because he's exactly the kind of player they need. But if they don't get Soto, they still have that need. Just it won't be filled as well. 
I want to switch gears now, Dan, to the to the Hall of Fame. Now, Speedy tells me you're very big into the Hall of Fame, so I'm excited to talk about this because I have a lot of issues with how the Hall of Fame is, is done. Uh, to me, I think it's a bias uh, popularity contest at times. When you look at guys like I'll give you a prime example. Like Jeff Kent is one of the greatest second basemen of all time, and he's not in because he wasn't liked by the media. I mean, are we really gonna? Are we, are we really not going to? I mean, forget the Pete Rose. That's a whole other conversation, Dan. Are we? Are we really not going to put a guy like Jeff Kent in because he wasn't liked by the media? The guy's one of the greatest at his position ever. I I, mean, I, I think generally speaking. Uh, as the uh, as the voting crowd for the Hall of Fame changes, it's gotten better. But you still see a lot of guys vote on grudges and 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 just weird, bizarre reasons. Uh, it always perplexed me that because you know if Kevin Brown had been more liked, he would have gotten more votes uh, for for Hall of Fame induction than he actually did. And that that's that, that's such a weird thing to to me. I can't imagine. Voting, uh, I don't get my ballot for uh, a couple more years, but I can't imagine voting for a player because I liked them or I didn't like them. If if Adrian Beltre hit me with his car, I'd still vote for him for the Hall of Fame. I mean, not the Drivers Hall of Fame, and I probably would be a little annoyed with him. But he's still a great baseball player. Why? Why would I? That's stupid because I think what it comes down to is writers. It's like a responsibility to to give what is baseball's biggest honor and it's responsibility to award it as fairly as possible. And when you don't do that, you're making it kind of about yourself rather than about the honor. And that, that, that makes that just every year at when the hall of fame is announced, I'm always pissed about some things or one of those weird ballots that has like Omar Vizquel and nobody else on it. And I just, you know, I want to flip over a table. Uh, uh, I, people say, Dan, don't care about the Hall of Fame. I'm like, well, I can't not care about the Hall of Fame because I'm a baseball fan and I love baseball and I, I want to see great players get an honor worthy of, of their accomplishments. So I do tend to find the Hall uh, an extremely frustrating, uh, not accomplishment, just a, a frustrating situation. Uh, my colleague, Jay Jaffe, also at Fangraphs, uh, writes quite a bit about the hall also i know he has quite a few frustrations about the whole process especially how they changed the veterans committee this year yeah so i was going to ask about like the philosophy of, of voting now granted we've seen some older players get in too but it's just the classes as a whole just aren't being as big now do you think how much do you think that will change with these newer newer voters too and also how does the controversy in the game go and impact it in comparison to the numbers you being a numbers guy especially uh, I, I think that it will change because when you look at it, newer voters tend to have larger ballots. Uh, among first-time voters, you don't see as many one, two, three-guy ballots. Uh, I, I, if in every theoretical ballot, if I had been a voter, uh, I, I think that it pretty much would have been ten every year, and I'd still be cutting guys off. Uh, I think what fans don't always realize is. That the Hall of Fame has never been that exclusive. Uh, you go back to some years in the 30s, and 25% of the plate appearances of players, like I think 30, 1937 was the peak year, 25% of, of, of 
plate appearances from position players were by Hall of Famers, which is absolutely unreal. And it's like, oh, too many people are being inducted today. I'm like, no, if you watched the game in 1937, every fourth at bat, you saw a Hall of Famer at the plate. Uh, and I think that what happens is you get into this weird situation where you're honoring players when they're not around to actually get to appreciate it. Everyone thought Ron Santo should have been in the Hall of Fame. He was a great player, and they finally inducted him into the Hall of Fame when he's not around to appreciate it. And I, I do, I do place a priority on you know honoring players while they're alive. Uh, I think there should be more focus on correcting the mistakes of the '80s and '90s than say go back again and take another look at the 20s and 30s because what it comes down to is those guys are gone but Lou Whitaker can still get honored uh, so it, it it frustrates me just beyond belief I mean Keith Hernandez and Don Manley should both be in the Hall of Fame but that's a whole another thing I gotta ask you this Dan I'm gonna put you on the spot here <clears throat> you might be well liked you might be hated so bear with me here because I know I'm gonna be hated for asking this it drives me nuts, and people say this is because you're a Met fan. This is Speedy. I'm letting you know the sound you see at the tape. This has nothing to do with me with me being a Met fan. Please. Did Derek Jeter, and this is where Yankee fans get upset, I'm in the minority, Derek Jeter deserve 100% of the vote. And I always say, absolutely not. If Willie Mays and Hank Garen, Babe Ruth, all those guys... Did not get 100% of the vote, and King Griffey Jr., all of them did not get it. And Derek Jeter wasn't even the best. He wasn't even the best player on his team, Dan. A-Rod was. Yeah, he wasn't the best shortstop on his team. Awards. Why should, should Derek Jeter deserve 100% of the vote? Like, he wasn't, like, Kyle Ripken should have gotten more percentage than he did. Yeah, I I, I love to uh, annoy my Yankees fans' friends. I'm like, no, you know, Kyle Ripken was, was a better player than oh Derek Jeter. Uh, Dan, A-Rod, Nomar, Cal Ripken, all of them at that time period, Jeter was probably the fourth best shortstop. Uh, the, but, the, but but funny thing, it's actually quite fortunate I didn't have my vote uh, for, for the Jeter ballot because when I vote, I intend to vote for players who need the vote. And that means I, I prioritize that. I appreciate you for that. So, I mean, I mean, people get annoyed with it. It's like, but yeah, it's it's the Hall of Fame's rules. Uh, Derek Gould, when he was the head of the Baseball Writers Association, I think it was three years ago, we, we've gone to to the veter- to the Hall of Fame and said, we need to lift this 10-player limit because it's creating a logjam where you can't get enough 75% agreement on players. They, they hang around on the ballot forever, and then it just gets even worse. Uh, so, as I've, I've been arguing for years, is I prioritize players at two thresholds. Players who are conceivably around 75%, and players who I think should be in, or at least talked about, who are around 5%. Because there's no way that Kenny Lofton should have been one and outed. Yeah, maybe you don't think that Johan Santana should have been in the Hall of Fame. I do, on peak value. You had a guy who was essentially, at his peak, 90% of Sandy Koufax, and you're not going to tell me that being 10% better than Santana is the difference between being a one-and-out Hall of Famer and a inner circle Hall of Fame type. Uh, you have to talk about these guys. And so I would prioritize keeping guys like that on the ballot. You know, Billy Wagner, uh, 
just a lot of people have been low. That's going to be my question for you later, Dan. Thank you. So when I went over my, my 10 picks, I would not have had a place for Jeter, simply because he was getting in anyway. And anything over 75% is essentially a wasted vote under the Hall of Fame's bizarre rules uh, uh, that create this problem. And I'm also kind of glad, in a way, that I didn't, because I'd like to go to New York again. Uh, <laughs> they would have hunted you down if you didn't vote for Yeah, them. because the, the non-voter was, was anonymous, but I, as a principal, wouldn't be anonymous about it, because I think it should be. It should be public. That's another thing we've asked the Hall of Fame to let us do, to publicize all the names. And the Hall of Fame said that we can't do that. And that's very frustrating. But I would have publicized it. And then Dan Zaborski would have been the guy who denied Derek Jeter 100%. And then I could not cross the state line of New York. Uh, probably not even like, you know, parts of Connecticut. But, yeah, so, so I, I'm, I'm probably personally fortunate that I that I don't have my vote yet uh, I got enough heat from just from the rookie of the year award from angry Cincinnati fans uh, because I'm in the Cincinnati chapter because I live near Cincinnati uh, I was the vote that kept uh, Jonathan India from being unanimous oh. and so so Cincinnati fans saw the Cincinnati baseball writer as the one who put Rogers first and India second. Can I be honest with you, though, Dan? You you kind of did right because India is having a miserable season this year. So, I mean, it was, well, they it was, they both are. It was pretty funny because they're, like, calling for the Reds to fire me. And I'm just like, how does that even work? <laughs> what do you think my employment situation is? I don't, I'm not paid by the Reds. They can't fire me. They can't take away my credentials. Uh, I was a little worried I, I, I figured that India was going to win the Rookie of the Year. I did not think that it was going to be so lopsided because Rodgers was terrific last season. Uh, I thought it would be like like 23-7 or something. And then I was watching the reveal on MLB TV, and I saw the announce like, with one dissenting vote, and I'm just like, oh, dear God, there goes, my, there goes the next week of my social media. <laughs> As Dan Zaborski from Fangrass was the lone... Dissenter, and then there was articles in the Cincinnati papers and Yahoo about Dan Zaborski being the one, and I'm like, ah. and it would have been, and that's nothing compared to what denying Jeter unanimous would have oh, been. So, yeah. so uh, I had a little Listen, taste of that, I'm so I'm lucky. Don't, don't worry, Dan, I got you back. If you voted, uh, if you voted <laughs> against, I would have had you back. Not, but again, this this doesn't go against me being a, a meth fan. This is just it's statistics. The numbers speak for itself. If Derek Jeter got in 100 percent of the vote, but a player like I'll give you, like I said, I said, if, if Sandy Kopex didn't get 100%, if Tom Seaver didn't get 100%, those guys didn't get 100%, why the hell does Derek Jeter, why? Because he was a nice guy and he was clutch in certain moments. Good for him. The guy didn't have a grand slam for how many years in his career? Never won an MVP. He, I, he, he, I don't even think he was even ever in the running for an MVP. He might have been. I don't even ever remember that. If he wants to look that up, I don't think he ever was. It's 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 the defense that always got he me. He was also never the best player on his team, Dan. He never. He was never a Rod in '09. The other the '96, '98, '99 teams with Bernie and O'Neill and Tino and Edit. He was never the best player. But, but what always got, but again, what always got me was the defense. Uh, and I don't know how people didn't notice it when when Brendan Ryan would come in as kind of Jeter's okay. replacement, and he was so much better because Ryan wouldn't do the you know the jump and throw thing, uh, which I hated. But 
because you saw Ryan, and he get a he he get a hard grinder deep in the hole. He'd plant his foot and then launch it across the field. None of that weird, you know, run and leap thing that Jeter always did. It gave me nuts. Uh, we always joked is, uh, what's the most common uh, line heard in a Yankees broadcast? Pass the diving Jeter. Oh God. And meanwhile, he admitted in his uh, documentary he didn't even have to dive into the stands for the ball against the Red Sox. So there you go. He made that one a little theatrical. But Speedy corrected me. He was an MVP finalist twice in 98 and 09. So excuse me. So sorry. He was a fight, but he never won. But never won. Again, no. There's 100% of the vote. Was rookie of the year. Was, ro- was rookie of the year in 96. So uh, my last question is just ma- based on today's analytic metrics and also what they prioritize more is, is that how much do you think that would change hall of fame voting, not only for the past eras, but also this current era where even a player that maybe was dominant in a certain specific trait that isn't prioritized might not get in type thing. I think uh, it, it older writers are, you know, a lot of them have, kind of transition with the times a little slowly but but i think you would see players like like scott Rowland and larry walker have gotten more support than you probably would have seen 20 years ago uh and i think if jack say jack morris or jim rice had been candidates today they'd get much less support than they actually got uh i still can't imagine voting for jack morris but that's a whole other thing uh, <laughs> to get into uh and i think you'll tend to see certain characteristics be more appreciated you're going to see less obsession with the, with picture win counts uh high on base percentage hitters are going to be liked better uh obviously he's not making the hall of fame but there was at least more talk about you know bobby abreu uh and and the hall of fame than there was than there, than there would have been some years ago i think if it had been like 20 years before he never would have made the 5% barrier. And he did that, he's done it three times already, uh, which is, which is huge. I think you'd see players like Bobby Grich, Lou Whitaker get in. uh, And I think it's just those types of players. I think like Chase Utley will get a lot more support than he would have Joe Maurer. Uh, Although catchers are tricky. So maybe I'm, I'm wrong there. Uh, So I, I think that it will change the types of players who are appreciated. Uh, I think that, that, that Kenny Lofton and Jimmy Edmonds would get more uh, support if you asked the voters in, say, five years to, to look back on them. But, you know, maybe they'll change the Veterans Committee again, and we can kind of fix that. Yeah, I was going to say, because I started next year's whole thing, class, and I don't think any of them were getting in the best shot as Bellatron. I don't think yeah. he's getting a first shot after the whole scandal. Yeah, my last question for me is, and I oh, I'm voting for Beltron, definitely. Oh, see, that, yeah. that's what, now what now what should you go in as a Met or an Asher or a Royal? I don't know. Really I, should be Royal. Really should be Metal Royal. Yeah, you get to. I need to give something to the Royals. What? And, and you have to give something to the Royals. No, you don't. The... They, won, they beat the Mets in the 2015 World Series. You don't have to give them anything. <laughs> else, man, all right. I mean, their defense. The Mets also beat themselves a lot of the time too. Yeah, really. Dan, stop. Come on. You, 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 you didn't do anything with the Royals. You did a lot with the Mets. How about we put him in as? How about we put him in as a Ranger? How about that? Oh God! Why don't we just do, why don't we just put him in as a Yankee and call it a day? That would get everybody excited, you know, and everything. Yeah, the Yankees will build him, build him Monument Park. Yeah, great! Another retired number. That's just what they need. They'll run out of numbers at this point. Um, my last question for me is, and I've I've come to notice this at baseball stadiums, Dan, and because you know, with you with statistics and everything like that. 
They're not showing batting averages and anything like that anymore on the scoreboards, I've come to notice. They're showing now OPS numbers and everything like that. It's interesting how the game is transitioning now to really the analytics standpoint of they're not even showing what a batting average is anymore on in the games. Now you just you see OPS and on-base percentage. What are your thoughts on how the game is really drastically transitioning into just strictly analytic numbers now, and that's it? Well, once uh, front offices kind of transition to use more analytic numbers, because even the least analytic front office today, call it, you know, the Royals, the Rockies, would probably be one of the best analytic offices of like 1992. Uh, I mean, the Rockies don't really seem to use their analytic staff all that well, but they actually have an analytic staff. Someone in 1992 would be like, what, a team has a staff of those guys? Uh, but once teams started valuing certain things, it was inevitable that eventually fans would value certain things because it 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 would be weird for baseball to be run a certain way and fans to think it's the opposite. Uh, and once players see what over time what teams are looking for in players, they become essentially uh, not all of them, but more numbers driven in that way thinking about things like launch angle and plate discipline in a in a way differently than plate discipline in 1985 was 1985 was you know don't strike out but it's different now you still don't want to strike out obviously but it's it's plate discipline's kind of taught differently and once those stats that 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 teams use change then inevitably it's going to be eventually that the fans want to read these things because it's the fans who want this type of content. That is what makes us employed. It's not like we were right about on-base percentage and we all of a sudden got jobs. It was that fans were interested in that kind of thing. Leave us to the Rocky. Senior writer and ESPN contributor Dan Zimborski joining us really quick. What's up, Speedy? No, I was just going to say, leave us to the Rockies to always hire their analytics team like two years ago. <laughs> oh, stop it, please. How long <laughs> before they trade Chris Bryant? Yeah, because really. his on-base percentage isn't high enough in course field, so we got to get rid of that contract. Good luck with oh, you know, what, you know what the Rockies are doing now? Uh, they've heard, they're making noise that they don't want to trade Daniel Bard, that they want to extend him. Oh, yeah, because yeah, I've heard that before. Okay. Yeah, you know, you you look at the Rockies, and uh, do you think you know extending the thirty-seven-year-old closer oh. is what that team needs? Oh, and you didn't have to finish the question <laughs> for me to answer I mean, that. The I mean, the whole Trevor Story thing last year, where oh, we, 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 we might want to re-sign him. They didn't have a chance to re-sign him because that they weren't going to... That guy could have been in a playoff race last year, and he completely screwed him. They could have gotten prospects for Story. They could have gotten prospects for John Gray. They each other. Story could have been in a playoff race, and the Rex could have gotten a whole of prospects back. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. But, Dan, thank you for joining us tonight, man. Before we let you go, how can the fans reach out to you on Twitter and not insult you with the Jonathan India voting? You can always insult me. Uh, it, it, it doesn't reflect well on me as a person, but sometimes I'm more comfortable being insulted than complimented. Compliments are, like, awkward. But, like, oh, you want a flame war? Yeah, that's fun. I like to I'm, – I'm kind of a jerk. That's fun. Let's let's do that. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter, DZimborski. It's D-S-Z-Y-M-B-O-S-K-I or S-Z-Y if you're Canadian. Uh, Google will fix that if you have a problem. And you can always find me at Fangraphs. I'm going to have a very busy week, hopefully, with trade deadline uh, transactions actions uh we've already we've already talked about benintendi on the website uh i did some proposed reasonable trades just to get people talking uh, a few days ago we always have lots of stuff uh, uh eric longenhagen has has just done the mid-season prospects update we have a lot of stuff on 
on on the board with reshuffled prospect rankings. A lot of good stuff there. So so check out Fangraphs. Check out me on Twitter. Uh, check out me when I when I pop up on ESPN occasionally. Uh, that's pretty much it. Dan, I'm I'm following you now. By the way, shoot me shoot me a DM whenever you hear something about the Mets, and then I'll I'll get a hold of them and let them know if it's good or not. Okay. <laughs> sure thing. Well, Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thank Dan Zimborski, ladies and gentlemen, that was great. See that? Now I have an inside source now for the New there York. There you Mets. go. Great. That's great. Can't wait. Well, listen, he. I'm glad he agreed with me on the Jeter thing, mm-hmm. um, so we can end that because. Uh, sick and tired of, of hearing about it that he's there yankee fans that are still butt hurt that he didn't get 100 percent of the vote and look the guy still got in but let's call it like it is if willie mays didn't get 100 percent of the vote why the hell should Derek Jeter get 100 percent of the vote right. uh-huh. mariano rivera got 100 percent of the vote because he was the best at his position and in history, probably will it, never be topped again with the way the, will never the be topped again. To... I'm glad he said what he said about Billy Wagner. Yep. I'm glad what he said about Jeff Kent. He brought up Johan Santana. He brought up uh, um, who else did he bring up? Speed that, that got eliminated after uh, Kenny Lofton. He yeah, brought Kenny up, Lofton. Yeah. You, you know, you you can make the case for a bunch of for a bunch of players that were one and done off the list. Um, I know he hasn't really had a great personal life because of he was kind of in like an abuser but jim evans was another one that yeah that that's while. probably something that, but the thing is his yeah that's gonna keep him out now yeah. the way, uh-huh. you know and, and i didn't even get to ask him about if the steroid player should get in um i should have asked him about that but is jack here yet jack has arrived so let's go to jack a quick commercial break has arrived all right i'm gonna introduce him now ladies and gentlemen we are talking to fantasy embedding for the established run and previously on nbc sports edge Knows a lot about football, Mr. Jack Miller. Jack, how you doing, sir? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on. How are you guys tonight? We're doing, doing great. Right, you're going to feel even better because Errol's not here, so you're going to be you're in great hands with the two of us because we're not going to insult anybody or hurt anybody's feelings. Okay, it's going to be glad to hear. It. Glad a to hear. Pleasure, but you know, but um, we're glad to have you on. First off, how are you doing? How's your family doing with the COVID situation and stuff like that going on? I'm good. Um, family's good. We actually a couple weeks ago, I had a cough, um, but I kept testing negative for COVID. I actually still have the cough a little bit, but isn't that crazy? I don't. I don't. I don't think it was COVID. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't COVID, but no one else in my family got it. So I, th- I think so we're all crazy. good. You can't even cough or sneeze out of it. Says ah, COVID. <laughs> I got it. I got an eight month old at home, and my wife had COVID a few months ago, and she had to leave the house for a week. And thank God, my neither my son or I got it. Um, because my wife carpools to go to work, yet I went to Vegas in May, and I didn't get anything, and she's in carpool, and she got it after a day. So it doesn't, none of this makes sense. I, 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 I don't get it at this point, but we're glad to have you on the show for sure. I know, you know, this is when training camps are starting up. Everybody's feeling happy. We're ecstatic, right? I'm a Jet fan. Speedy's a Giant fan. We're feeling, well, maybe Speedy not so much. He's probably not thrilled still, but that's uh we're feeling great. Super Bowl aspirations. The New York Jets are going to be great again. They're going to bring it back. This is it. 1968. What a joke. And then you realize you got to settle the expectations down. What are some stories in training camp that you have seen so far that you that stick out to you the most where you're like, I'm reading this and I think maybe this team could be a surprise this year? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess, I guess when we're talking about training camp storylines, the two big ones would be 
the ones that aren't really happening on the field, and that would be the Watson suspension, which is, mm-hmm. is still coming at some point. And then the Kamara potential suspension might happen this year, might happen next year. We don't know when that's going to happen. But as far as on-field stuff, there hasn't been a whole bunch of news so far. It's mostly like kind of like, you know, backups and, and late round guys that are getting hyped up right now, not a bunch going on with the, the early rounders. Um, so I would say just right now, it's just kind of Watson and Kamara watch, uh, from a fantasy standpoint, at least. So DK Metcalf got a big deal with the Seahawks just a couple hours ago, $24 million a year, essentially for the three-year deal. So are you surprised he stayed in Seattle and how does it affect his fantasy value now staying in Seattle being that now he's going to be stuck with some bad QBs? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not looking great for the Seahawks passing game this year with Geno Smith is currently getting the first team reps uh he's currently the the betting favorite actually to start week one over drew lock who they traded for obviously in the the russell wilson trade um so from a short-term perspective metcalf this year not in the best shape but i mean just long term he's going to be there for a few years seahawks are going to look to upgrade with the quarterback position um you got to think as soon as possible maybe even this offseason if jimmy garoppolo gets cut by the 49ers um he could wind up in seattle so I think short term, it's it's not looking great for Metcalf, uh, and then you just hope sometime while he while he's still in this contract over the next three years, they can get someone who can actually get him and Tyler Lockett the ball. This has been driving me nuts the last few days. I'm not even joking. If I hear Tyree Kill say one more thing great about Tua Tagovailoa, I'm going to snap. He says they asked him the question, and I'm sure you heard this story. Why did you pick the Jets over the Dolphins? He said Zach Wilson's a dog. Not, you know, I mean, he's very popular in the MILF community now. It's great for him. Right, yeah. God bless that kid. Um, that's my quarterback. Good, good. He grew up, you know, it's great. And then he goes, but but I wanted to go to the most accurate quarterback in the league. And then I said to myself, so why did you leave Patrick Mahomes then? That's the part that I'm trying to figure out. Do you – I'm getting so many Jack Antonio Brown vibes from this guy right now. It's scaring me with the words and the things that are coming out of his mouth. What do you, do you, does he really believe this you think, or is he just like, do you believe the dolphins are this team this year with him there? <laughs> I I don't really think so. I mean, you saw what did you, you said, uh, I assume the Devonte Adams thing, like he was asked what it's with like. The Hall of Fame thing. The Hall, I think Tyreek's kind of doing the same thing. Like he just has to pump up his new quarterback. I, I think he knows in his heart of hearts that, Tua is not the most accurate quarterback in the NFL and that he was just playing with a quarterback that was much better uh, than Tua. But, you know, he's got to pump up the new guy. And and it is it is good content. It is pretty funny what he's doing, just juicing up Tua this much. And for Tua, it's really like a prove a year because now he has no excuses. He has Tyreek and Waddle. And, I mean, Tyreek is not exactly lowering the bar in terms of expectations. So Tua has definitely a lot to live up to this year. And really could be for Speedy Ghost. It's just so funny because it, it, it's like they showed the highlight pass when the mini camps opened up back in what was it? I think it was May or whatever it was. They showed a highlight of Tua throwing a ball, and it was like eight yards underthrown to Tyree Kill, and he had to come back and catch it. Oh, yeah, that one was ripped on Twitter. Yeah. And I literally was like, holy crap, whoever the Dolphins you know digital content guy is you should be fired on the spot for that what a terrible highlight to put holy crap i mean what the hell were you thinking but i'll let speedy go i just I, it just boggles my mind that 
I get Antonio Brown vibes right now. I, so I want to act, ask directly about the fantasy impact of that kind of thing. Tyreek Hill in a running system, maybe he'll get some yardage. I don't know if him or Jalen Waddle will be that guy with a 49ers type system now coming to Miami. We saw that with Debo Samuel. Do you see that kind of thing with Tyreek Hill and how much do you think that'll impact his value? And also Devontae Adams, we talked about too, now going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. So those two guys switching teams, what do you think that'll make a difference? Yeah, I think the Dolphins are, are really an interesting setup right now because like you said, they brought Mike McDaniel over and that lead you to believe that they're going to be a run first team, but they're the way that their offense is set up with Tyreek and Waddle and Gasicki, like they have good receivers. Um, and then their RB1 is Chase Edmonds, who's more of a pass catching back. They have Mostert and Sony behind them. So I get, I'm, I'm just kind of interested to see what they end up doing. We, in our projections at established the run, we have a pretty balanced um, offense for the Dolphins right now. We don't think it's going to be super run heavy just because with Tyreek and Waddle, like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to like just, pound the rock all the time um but we we definitely think that there will be some designed runs for Tyreek and Waddle just utilizing that speed on the outside um and then with Adams I think it's a downgrade for sure as much as he you know doesn't want to acknowledge it going from Rogers to Carr but there's going to be a whole lot of shootouts in that division he's still going to be the obvious alpha wide receiver um he's still probably the best receiver in the league I think his fantasy value takes a hit but I think he's still a fine pick at the end of the first round uh, or the start of the second. Zach Wilson's banging milfs. And according to his head coach, his legs are thick. That's what we've heard about Zach Wilson so far this off season, Jack, the New York jets are going to go what this year. And do you believe they also have a shot at the playoffs with the way this roster, especially after signing Quan Alexander today? Yeah, I think I don't think now. Come on, Jack. Don't don't do this. I'm already upset about them enough. Well, I mean, you know, off the field, (laughs) it's going well for Jets fans as far as the the recent Zach Wilson news. But on the field, I think I think their win total uh, on like in Vegas is six and a half. So they're expected to win like six or seven games. I'm not going to say that they can't make the playoffs because, I mean, their offense, if Wilson can put it together, could be like pretty fun. They have good receivers with Elijah Moore, Gary Wilson, Corey Davis. They have a solid line. They have two good running backs. Um, it, it really just all comes down to Wilson, and he was not great last year. But if he can put it together, then they could be a surprise playoff team. But I would not, you know. Neither would it. I. I'm just busting yeah. your balls. Neither would I. Neither. Would I. Listen, this is why I always say to people, you're ready. I've been a Jeff fan for so long. And this is why you should be thankful Errol's not here because Errol would be pumped. Errol told me before we got on the show, I'm filling in for him tonight. He goes, you know, the Jets could be really good this season. And I said to him and I said, listen, guy, here's how I look at the New York Jets. I don't put any stock into them anymore. Okay. If the Jets are great, it's a nice surprise. If they suck, I say, well, you see, I told you so. This is what happens when I get too high on this team. So to me, that's how the vibe I go with the New York Jets now, but I'll let me go. But uh, you know, I think it all depends, like Jack said, it depends on how Zach Wilson develops. That's that's the important thing. So we've seen a lot of receivers also move to their second contracts now, and a lot of teams are worried about that. We just saw Julio Jones now on his third contract now signed with the Buccaneers. A lot of these other veterans get bumped around too. Do you think the receiving position is going to be something that is prioritized more in terms of just getting younger right away rather than a lot of these older guys like Allen Robinson that have bumped around all these different teams? I'd say so. And I'd say, especially, I mean, with the high-end wide receiver contracts, what we're seeing now, like Metcalf today, we saw McLaurin, Tyreek, Devontae Adams, 
they're just getting paid like a ton. So what teams might look to do is start drafting these receivers like they did. I mean, we saw a lot of receivers off the first in the first round this year. And um and we saw the Titans actually trade AJ Brown because they didn't want to pay him to the Eagles and then they drafted Traylon Burks. And obviously Traylon Burks is not AJ Brown, but he's on a rookie contract for the next four or five years. And so I think maybe that's the way teams are gonna do it, is just not, you know, wanna pay these guys that much. And so they look to draft their receivers early so that they can get them on rookie contracts instead of paying them $25 million a year. Obviously, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. That would be Deshaun Watson. We, I haven't been on the show, obviously. I'm, like I said, I'm filling in, but I've heard it nonstop on the show. Speedy Gnosis, it's the topic every week. How long do you see him being suspended for? Because they have um, Jacoby Brissett there. Yay. As I do that sarcastically, then they signed Josh Rosen. Woohoo! Now we're really celebrating. Um, hey, we're waiting for the Josh Rosen beats Baker Mayfield at week one yeah, storyline. Oh <laughs> Let me tell you something really quick. When I saw <laughs> Sam and Baker walking out together for Panthers trading kid, it made me want to throw up just with the two of them. I wanted the Panthers um, to sign just Josh Rosen just to complete the trifecta. Exactly. You might as well. I mean, the only one that's good is Josh Allen, so he won't go there. But how long realistically do you actually anticipate Deshaun? being suspended for it because people have varied from four games to eight games to the season to will he play again is this who knows yeah i'll i guess i'll preface by saying i don't think like anyone really has that great of an idea we're all kind of just waiting but it seemed like earlier in the off season um it was trending toward like a full season slash indefinite um and then they'd reevaluate after a season but lately kind of all the news is like four to eight to 10 to 12 games. Um, and so I guess having, you know, no real idea, we're, we're all kind of just waiting. I would guess somewhere in that eight to 10 range, just because that seems to be the way it's trending right now. Um, but that's just like a complete guess. Like, I, I really don't know, but it does seem like he's, it does seem like it, at one point the favorite was for the whole season, but it kind of doesn't seem that way anymore. So how do you think he'll come back? Because he's been out of football now for, he gets to spend a long time for two years. The Browns gave him that five-year, $230 million contract, obviously risking a lot this year too, and not paying him a lot of money this year, but pushed it aside. Do you think he'll come back the same way he was? Do you think it'll be drop? It'll drop down. Maybe, maybe he's like a top 10, top 15 quarterback. And was it worth it for the Browns, even if he does miss a lot of time this year, if they get him long-term over what they would have had to deal with with Baker? I think he'll be a similar player to what he was before. I don't think you lose that type of talent in, in a couple of years, even without live game action. I'm, sh- I'm sure he's been playing football the whole time, even if he wasn't active for the Texans last year. So I think like from an on-the-field standpoint, he's still going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league when he's back. Um, but from like a, a team standpoint, even ignoring like just like the like moral aspect of it, like um, – it does seem like a huge risk to pay this guy like $230 million when he has such massive off the field concerns. And like, like there's still a risk that this pops up more in the future, right? Like we could be a year or two down the road and and this whole thing comes back. Um, So I, I think it's a big risk by the Browns one that I probably wouldn't have made, but you know, I'm not in the front office, so we'll see how it works out for them. We were talking to Establish the Run Fantasy Football NFL and betting analyst Jack Miller. Jack, I got a few more for you. 
Kyler Murray got his contract. Speedy knows how I feel about Kyler Murray. Uh, I am in the minority of not being a big fan of him. I never was. And I got screamed at viciously on this show, and it was called names from somebody that wasn't here for saying that. <laughs> he gets his contract extension, and then the article comes out that he hasn't focused enough in the in the film room. The effort's not there. He hasn't been trying as hard as he should be. That all came out. So why the hell would you give this guy a massive contract extension then if this is what's coming up? Because, Jack, you saw it in the playoff game last year against the Rams. It was, it was atrocious. Yeah, the Cardinals were in a tough spot because I agree with you that Kyler's not like a top like eight quarterback, the type Thank of guy you. that's going to like elevate you or carry you to a Super Bowl. But, like, they drafted him number one. He has been at least moderately successful, even if not absolutely elite, um, for the for his rookie contract. So they kind of were in a position where that's kind of a guy that most teams would end up paying. Um, and I did see that clause in his contract. That was actually really funny. I, and this actually came out, like, 20 minutes ago. Um, I don't know if you guys saw today that, like, he held, like, a surprise little press conference at training camp and basically, like, called out the reporters for, like, tweeting all that stuff. Oh, like, no, wow. he went there. But, oh, that's the but, worst uh, thing you could do. God. As of like 20 minutes ago, the Cardinals removed that clause from his contract, so that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I He is so sensitive. Really is one of those guys that just cannot handle being a quarterback. Listen, is he fun to watch? Sure, but again – and Speedy remembers this. When I was on this show back about a year and a half ago, Arrow and I had a half an hour argument about why Kyler Murray to me is not a top 10 quarterback. And I got screamed at. I'm planting my feet in the sand and saying he's not. And this just shows it. it's worse that he's definitely not because he's extremely sensitive to what people type about him. How about this? How about you drown out the noise and go do your business and be the best quarterback they're paying you to be rather than worrying about what writers are talking about? It's an ideal way of looking at things. I mean, CJ Usoma is going into Jets training camp with a man of the year shirt with Zach Wilson on it. And Zach knows what it refers <laughs> to. And he's laughing about it. Kyler would have made a whole tweet rant about saying He's a bad guy. You're at my feelings. I mean, come on. It's so ridiculous when guys do this. But Speedy, go for it, man. All right. Before I get to my question, I just want to read a comment. Rob C. Arendt says, it's going to be the best cup of coffee when Watson gets zero games and the Browns go to the Super Bowl. I don't think that's going to happen that at this point in the season. Not, not, not this Warren season. I think long-term, if he does come back, the Browns are absolutely a threat because I think their roster is really good beyond that, Rob, but I, I, not this season. He's definitely going to get – I can't imagine him getting less than half the season. So um, so I want to move on to the quarterback that hasn't gotten paid yet, but has gotten – he's close, is he not? Lamar Jackson. He's his own agent with the Ravens. The Ravens have been one an organization that there's very good player development, but do let players go at after their rookie contracts too. They will stay young, replenish well. But they've also have not been a great quarterback franchise. Where do you see them going, and what kind of price range you could you see on a Lamar Jackson contract, whether with the Ravens or somewhere else? Yeah, I think the Ravens are going to pay Lamar, and I think he's worth it. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and uh, I would expect somewhere somewhere in the Kyler Watson range. I'm not a contract expert or anything, but I assume that that kind of seems like the benchmark for where QBs are this offseason at least, and so I think that's kind of where Lamar is going to be. Um, you know, that's going to be like the starting point for him. So we look at the situation. We talk about another quarterback. I'll allude to Speedy's team as the New York Giants. 
I'll give you a hypothetical, Jack. And I don't think this is going to happen. I can assure you that Speedy is definitely not going to think this is going to happen because Speedy's as negative as anybody on the planet with the Giants. But here we go. Daniel Jones has a decent year. Pretty good year, right? Now his contract expires. Do the Giants go in on him and pay him a new contract? Or do they say, you know what, you had a great year, but we can't take the chance if this doesn't happen here, we let you walk, and they draft another quarterback if they're high enough in the draft. What do you do, especially with the amount of picks the Giants have, they can trade up if you're the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how good of a year we're talking. Like, I think for Daniel Jones, I think for it to be a smart investment for the Giants, um, Daniel Jones would kind of have to blow expectations out of the water. Um, and the Giants do have picks, but if if Jones does have this good year, then that probably means they outperform expectations a little and they have uh, like a decent season and they're picking somewhere in the middle. They're in a weak division too, Jack. They're in a weak division where they could get something going. Yeah, they are. Um, I mean, the Cowboys and Eagles are not awful, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't think Daniel Jones is the long-term answer personally. Um, and it would really, I guess, just put the Giants in kind of a, as tough a situation as it could be if he just is like solid this year, but doesn't go crazy, but also doesn't like put up the normal Daniel Jones numbers that we're used to seeing and, and that isn't that great. So I know you're a betting guy as well. So uh, there's a lot of talks of these division value bets uh, at the beginning of the season, all the plus hundreds and whatever that is. I'm not a betting expert. I don't know any of that stuff. But uh, is there any bets that you like in terms of a division winner that could be an underdog at a good value to win it? Uh, Most of the stuff, I haven't bet any divisional stuff recently. I have a Saints to win their division at like plus I forget what it is, 400 or 450. I think it's like plus 360 now. Um, I think the Saints are, are going to have a solid year, and the Bucks lost their starting center today. I was so. going to say they lost Jensen today, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's an angle. Um, I have the Ravens at like plus something, but that was from like before. It seemed like Watson was going to get a big suspension, and, and it's kind of adjusted a little, but I still think the Ravens are – I think the Ravens, honestly, are better than the Bengals. Um so I, I like them to win that division, but it is a tough division, especially if Watson gets a shorter than expected suspension where you have three teams that could really um, be be pretty solid. It's crazy because I'm looking at, like you said, with betting and stuff, and I see these fan like the projections. And I saw one projection today that had the Patriots going 6-11, and 11, and I said that is so not going to happen under any yeah. watch of Bill Belichick's. That is definitely not – I cannot see that happening. I actually think the Patriots are going to get one of the wild cards and get into the playoffs. That's my – I think Mac Jones is on the right track. He's in a good system. He's in the perfect spot to learn. I mean, I know Patricia's running the offense now, but Bill still calls the shots. Joe Judge Where is on the staff see? too. Well, who, oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, Joe Judge is there too. So it's great. It's a double whammy. Um where do you see the Patriots go? I still have them getting into the playoffs. I see Mac Jones still performing well. Where do you see the Patriots? Yeah, I think they'll probably be around 500. I think they're on the outside looking in of the playoffs, but like if they make the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they're right in that group of teams that could make the playoffs. Um, I do like Mac Jones, and from all accounts, it sounds like like Bill Belichick is really high on Mac Jones, and he's he thinks he's taking a big step forward going into year two. And they might give them um, a little more trust in the offense rather than being so run heavy. But 
we'll see. I, th- I think they're a solid team. I don't think they're going to blow anyone away. I think that's kind of the, the general expectation, and I'm, I don't have a, a, a hot take on them, unfortunately. That's okay. I was going to ask you first, Speedy goes, what's your yeah. favorite team? Um, so it's actually kind of weird. So I've been playing, I, I've been playing fantasy since I was like eight years old. So that's kind of like how I started watching football. So I don't really like care about any specific team, which I know like a bunch of people hate. Like if you just know, that's smart. It's good. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, it probably is good for my lifespan. You know, I would 100% agree with you. Don't ever be a jet fan. It's the worst thing on possible. And I'm from, I'm from Illinois. So if anything, I'd be a Bears fan. And I found a team that might be worse than the Jets. God, they're definitely worse than the Jets. They're probably one of the three worst teams in the league right now. (laughs) Yeah. God. Oh, at least you're not a Cowboy fan. So that makes it a little bit better. I will take that, but go for it. speedy. Don't worry. Especially if you're not a Cowboys, glad you're not a Cowboys fan because we have one of this network that thought that Ezekiel Elliott could run on the night. 90s Lions offensive line and put up Barry Sanders-esque numbers. Oh, God, no. We're not going there. Well, I, I went there for the sake of he has to, he has yeah, to know. No, because I saw he's watching, so there you go. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, at least, at least you're not that. So I wanted to ask about some uh, MVP bets, too, because that's another one that is definitely polarizing. Aaron Rodgers has won it back-to-back years, so he's going to be in that running again. But is it worth it for that kind of value to try to get for the third time to go for the convention awards, or do you see it maybe – a underdog at a higher value that says, all right, maybe this guy could definitely make it work. Yeah. I need to pull up these odds if we're going to be talking about this. Cause I don't know what they are. I searched right the other day, Jack. I saw one the other day. It said Zach Wilson had like high MVP numbers too. And I went, I went, what, where did that come from? You know? So I'm like, that, that, I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to find it. Zach Wilson is, uh, where is he? He's, he's, 130 to one, which is like a 0.7% chance to an MVP. So that's it. I'm putting my bet, money on Zach, baby. That if you bet Zach Wilson, big legged bastard is going to get the MVP. That's it. You could be a rich, rich man in a in Let me six tell months. You, I'm, that's it. Done. He beats the Patriots <laughs> twice. We're going to the Super Bowl. But for the question, I would not bet Rodgers without Adams. I mean, his receiver one right now is Alan Lazard. Um, he's 10 to one. He's not the favorite. Josh Allen I'm seeing is the favorite right now. He's the fourth highest favorite. Um, but still, I mean, I don't, I, if I am betting like these super, like, a, like long odds awards markets that won't pay out for six months, I'd rather bet on the long shots. Um, I have his current odds are 20 to one. So I got a little bit of value here. I have like Jalen hurts at 60 to one. I don't think he's going to win MVP. Um, I you think it's a very exact put like five bucks in there. <laughs> I should. <laughs> I, I actually, I know some people that got Trey Lance at like 200 to one or 150 to one. one, which is, I mean, we've never seen him, which is probably bad, but like maybe he's, he's really good and 200 to one. Like you can't really fault that at all. Everybody and their mother on this network hates the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> uh, I mean, we had, we had Brandon Jacobs on the show last week that said he wanted to drop a nuclear bomb onto Jerry World and see what happens afterwards. I Make swear Jerry pay that. for everything again. Yep. Jerry pays for everything again, That's which right. I actually said to Errol afterwards. I said, isn't that kind of like a threat? You know, I think kind of bad. But anyway. He um, specified empty building, but okay. No, <laughs> I'm just saying. That's destruction of property then. You can't do that. It's destruction of public property. But anyway. Um, where do you see the Cowboys this year? Because they always seem like the most polarizing team, right? People always overrate them. People do because they're 
America's team. This is know. our year. God, God, God watches them. That's why the thing opens. You know, the sun comes down and God's watching them. I, I, that's that's BS to me. I don't. If, if that, that's God's America's team, that boy he's putting himself to hell and back. Um, and it takes thirteen seconds Cowboys? to do that. Yeah, where are the Cowboys in your eyes as a team? I mean, trading Amari Cooper, getting rid of that. It just seems like because they've been in cap hell for so long. Like, what do you think of them this year? I think they're probably the odds-on favorite to win the NFC East. I don't think the Eagles are far behind, but at the same time, I don't think the Cowboys are going to compete for a Super Bowl, really. Um, so I think it's, you know, kind of typical. Make the playoffs probably lose no, no, no. early don't on. Don't make them feel bad about themselves, Jack. They think <laughs> Super Bowl now it's going to happen. No, I actually like the Eagles. I agree with Jack, though. I do like the Eagles. The problem is I don't trust Hurts. That's my biggest problem. They have <clears> – <throat> obviously, they, they, they got De, – getting Devontae Smith. They got A.J. Brown. Great. They have a very nice receiving core, and their defense is getting better. But I don't – and also, is Sirianni the guy? I mean, I, I – I mean, I heard him in a press conference last year. They said, how come the defense didn't look great? He said, I don't know. you got to ask the defensive coordinator. I said, what the freak? I, I said, mean, the defensive the coordinator coach. was interviewed for a couple head coaching positions. Yeah, so. I said, dude, you're the head coach. That's how you answer the question. you got to ask defensive coordinator. You're the head coach. That sounded like what, something Adam Gase would do. Adam Gase was looking at his Burger King menu. Oh, my God. Errol was mocking at the beginning of the season. He self thought he was the next Adam Gase. Meanwhile, they actually made the playoffs. They actually did make the playoffs. But it's it's just... I don't know. I always just find the Cowboys, the fans are always overrating them, and they fall. It's always usually in the midseason, right? They'll start off the year like, what, 5-1? and one. Mm-hmm. Dak looks great. December Dallas. And they fall everything's, apart. Everything's running well, and then poof. You know, really quick before Speedy goes again, what are your thoughts on Denver getting Russell Wilson? Because I've seen people still not as high on Denver. They love the Chargers. And they they're scared to go against Mahomes, and the, the, the people are really just mess. Who who is it? It's the, the Chargers and the and the Raiders. The Raiders people yeah. love the Raiders with the Car Adams dynamic. People are not as high on Denver as some think. There. What are your thoughts on the AFC West and who wins that? Yeah, my take would be I, I'm going to go with Kansas City winning the division, and then I would have. The Chargers second, I think, with Herbert. They upgraded their defense, and I think Staley's a good coach. Um, but, like, the whole division is good. Like, I think all four of those teams could win 10 games, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't think they all will win 10 games just because, like, they play each other. Um, but I think you could see possibly three teams from that division make the playoffs, and that wouldn't be that crazy. Um, I do think the Broncos are, are in the the – second tier in that division kind of with the Raiders is how I see it but that's not really a knock on the Broncos as much as it is like I think the Chiefs and Chargers are just really good so let's shift to the other side of LA the Rams just won the Super Bowl and they were able to keep pretty much everybody except for Von Miller and then Andrew Whitworth retired but beyond that like their shot to repeat is a lot stronger than I've ever seen from any other previous Super Bowl champion because of what they were able to keep and bring in. And with the NFC weak as it is right now, their division's pretty strong. How strong of a chance do you see that kind of thing, at least going back to the Super Bowl in the NFC? Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, I don't know if I'd like expect it, but I'd say they've got to be them in Tampa Bay. I'm 
probably forgetting someone, but they're they're the favorites in the NFC. Um, they are going to have to face someone like Kansas City or Buffalo or whoever makes it out of the AFC. That's going to be a really tough game if they can get there, but Rams definitely look in good position to repeat. Um, it's just tough to actually do that, right? Like they're definitely among the favorites in the league. It's just so much easier said than done. My last question for me, uh, Jack, is give me a team that's going to be a sleeper like the Cincinnati Bengals were last year. Like you could even say the Bengals could do it again, but give me a, a sleeper team out there that you say, wow, they really improved a lot this whole season. Maybe they can take a Bengal leap like the Bengals did last year. Yeah, I think a Bengals level leap, I think that requires a quarterback. And so I'll go with the Jags, who I think Trevor Lawrence was as close to a generational prospect as you can get coming out of college. And then Urban Meyer is just like maybe the worst coach of all time. Doug Peterson, professional. They upgraded their receiving core. It's questionable how they did it, paying Christian Kirk $18 million a year, paying Zay Jones three years, $30 million. But like they did upgrade their receiving core from from where it was. Um, and who Lawrence was throwing to last year. They get ETN back. I know he's a running back, so not the most important, but still still good for Lawrence's development. So I'll say the Jags, and then I don't think they can make a Bengals-type leap because Jared Goff's their quarterback, but I think the Lions, too, could be a little I better really than people expect. The Jets and one of these things. I really did. <laughs> I mean, it really is just a Wilson question with the Jets, but I'll go Jags and Lions um, for my sleeper teams. The Jaguars could possibly get there, and then Evan Engram will just drop a bunch of passes. That's yeah, that's possible. You would know. What happened today? Giants fan. Nice. And he did. He dropped the pass, and Shaq Barrett picked it off. Has better hands than Evan Ingram. That's not saying much. (laughs) So my last question: one uh, fantasy sleeper that you have for this season, and one fantasy bust. That's a good question. For bust, I'll go Derrick Henry. Um, I think. He's up there in age. He's up there in touches. He doesn't really catch passes. He's coming off a major injury. Even if he's fully recovered now, it's it's not a good thing. Um, and then the Titans just might not be all that great this year. I know they've never really looked that great on paper, and they always outperform expectations. But maybe this is the year where we see 8-9 and nine or whatever, and that would really hurt Henry because he's so much better when the Titans are leading. Um, sleeper. I'm trying to think here. I, like I guess this division, by the way. What? I like the Colts and a, a lot of that division, by the way. Oh yeah, I think I yeah, Colts and then you know, maybe Jags. Nice. I picked shot. them to go to the Super Bowl last year. Boy, was that a screw up on my part. I mean, that <laughs> better pretty... than my pick of the Browns. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh Matt Ryan though, so who knows? Uh and then fantasy sleeper. This guy's a, a deeper sleeper. I don't think he'll get get drafted in most leagues in case uh unless it's like unless he keeps going off at camp. But Romeo Daubs is a receiver on the Packers. He went in the fourth round this year. I read a story about him. He's getting a lot of touches and Rodgers makes wide receivers, Jack. Yeah, the Packers don't really have great receivers. Alan Lazard's their receiver one. He's not a bad player, but is he a true wide receiver one? I don't know. And then Christian Watson, who they drafted in the second round, is on the pup list right now, as is Sammy Watkins. So Dobbs is getting uh, first team reps in camp and I think he, he he could be fun. I don't think he's I think it's like a low chance he goes off, but probably better than most people would give him credit for. I think he's a fun sleeper. Sammy Watkins is on the pup list now. Then he'll come back for week one, go off, and then he'll get hurt again. Or he'll Exactly, yeah. Opening the door for Romeo Dobbs. <laughs> there you go. The week two breakout, Romeo Dobbs. There you go. There you go. Establish the run fantasy football NFL 
betting analyst Jack Miller. Jack, thank you so much for joining us, man. Before we let you go, how can the fans reach out to you on social media and all that good stuff? Yeah, my Twitter, JackMiller02. Um, and then I, I write and do content and podcasts and, and all that good stuff for Established Run, EstablishedRun.com. So that's where I'll be um, this NFL season. And thank you guys for me. This was a good time. Thank you. Awesome. Thank, thanks for joining us. Like I said, it was it, it was good because you didn't get the Errol experience. You could tell by the comments. I'm back for one show, and I have like the speedy. Do I not have like the biggest fan support tonight? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Carl just jumped in already. He's got five it's comments. Insane. I jump and I got five guys. Josh is back. Thank God. You know, so it's like you know. But Jack, seriously, thank you so much. And by the way, I. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna DM you at some point when the Jets are eight and one, and I bet that five bucks on Zach Wilson, and I'm gonna say for MVP, and I'm gonna say you see, we're no, be like five months. Jack, you, know, you might have a new Twitter play. account by then. At that point, <laughs> whenever, the, whenever the Jets start a season eight and one. Take, yeah, take care, Jack. Have a good one, man. Thanks for joining us. You too. See you guys. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Jack Miller. Boy, two awesome interviews. We still have more. That we we gotta do, Speedy. We're gonna get more into the baseball a little bit. I know you didn't really get the, your take on the Subway Series the last few days. We'll get to some trade deadline conversations. Uh, I think we did our football for the evening. You know, that that was plenty. You know, mm-hmm. listen, bring the, the damn it, Carl. I know the Jets could start one and six. I know this already. I already know that, dude. I said before the year, Vegas gave them six and a half. I said the under. I said four or five, and Errol said you're crazy. They're going to win seven or eight. Yes. Well, again, the the Jets can start one and six. Definitely more likely they could they can start eight and one. But again, that, congratulations, that... Aaron Judge had another walk off. He's still striking out against Max Scherzer for the umpteenth time. That's great. Good for him. Great for him. He's going to look great in a San Francisco <laughs> Giant uniform next season. It's great. Now, now, my question is, uh, is you saying that Aaron Judge just struck a gout again against Max Scherzer, the new Jeff Clavey that Georgia just scored against Michigan? No, my God. <laughs> that's that gonna, a great is analogy. That gonna be, is that going to be the that's new thing? Fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to keep that now. That's awesome. You just flood the comment section with that. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Who did they beat? The Royals tonight? Uh, I'll find that out for you. They beat the Royals, I think, right? It is yes, one nothing. They beat the Royals tonight. Yeah, so they beat the Royals. They beat the Royals one nothing. One nothing. That was the only run of the game. The walk off home run by Aaron Judge. My God, they scored one freaking run against the Royals. Mm-hmm. They couldn't. And they had two hits in the game. Oh my God! The Met pitching has completely ruined the Yankee lineup. Brady oh Singer had ten strikeouts in, in seven innings for the Royals. The Mets pitching has completely bamboozled the Yankee lineup. Bamboozled. That it's the greatest great thing ever. That is a great word for the. For oh this. my God! And then Arrow, I'm going to call Arrow tomorrow. The Yankees are going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're still having a great season. They're going to be fine. Again, Aaron Boone again said his thing in the post game. I see we still have savages in our in our dugout. That's great. We're going back to the savages again. But you know, <laughs> that's baseball. That's a blast. There's a blast from the past. Going yeah, to the back yeah. to the savages. The savages well, that only had uh, two hits off of Brady Brady Singer and struck out ten times. That'll be interesting. 
We'll t- Speed, let's take a quick break when we come back because we're going to be on to what, 10.30, I think, tonight. So we'll, yep. we'll be on to 10.30, between 10.30 and 11. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into more Subway Series talk. We'll get into some more trade deadline talk. There's really nothing going on in basketball. Um, hockey, not much either other than Adidas is dropping the sponsorship with, with, with the NHL. So that's now the third jersey uh, company they're going to have in the last 25 <laughs> years. So they can't get their crap together. But when we come back, we'll get into some more baseball conversation. Maybe we'll sneak a little football in, talk about the Buccaneers situation. All that and so much more right here on the Sports Lab. And it's here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Wow, Speedy went on. I love it. I love it. Speedy plays it just for me. Yes, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, this is your loud match tonight. I'm John Silver filling in for uh, Lawrence, along with, of course, the great and wonderful he is, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. That is Speedy for short. Actually, that is true, Carl. We do need to talk about that Panthers trade 100%. I don't know if you guys touched on that on Monday. Did you? The Brady Kachuk trade? Uh, the Kachuk trade, we touched, on, we touched on it a little bit. Not a, not a whole lot, but... Yeah, that was crazy. Yes, Carl. I know the Jets have the longest playoff drought in football. I know this already. But, see, this is why – here's the thing. Can I touch on this really quick, Speedy? This yeah. is this is why I don't get my hopes up with the Jets anymore. This is why. I, I, I can't be like Errol and be all hunky-dory and they're going to be great. This is going to be a good season. They had a great offseason. It's wonderful. It's great. As I said, when Jack was on the air, and I've told you this also off the air too, Speedy, with the Jets, my mindset is if they have a great season, it's a surprise. Wonderful. I'm happy. If they have a bad season, I'm going to say I'm not shocked. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality I'm going to go with. I'm not going with expectations anymore. I can't, can't do it to myself anymore. I'm done. And, yeah, so uh, – Really quick, first of all, I want to thank all all the guys out there. Carl, Jeff, my brother, Sam, Lyle, everybody, Ben, all chiming in saying glad you're back and everything like that. Thank you so much. I, I have missed it. Obviously, I'm still very busy with with Caleb and everything like that. He's doing great. He's eight months now. He's almost 18 pounds. Wow. Already that kid. He was born at three pounds, and he's 18 pounds now. Damn. And he – that kid stopped eating. Hmm. He's like gotten he's gotten so aggressive. Um and everything. You know what's funny? Like I was feeding him today and he cries when I don't feed it fast enough. Mm. Yeah, he just gets upset. I'm like, guy, relax. I gotta you gotta give me a second. Then he just takes the ball and he just goes starts sticking his hands and he does it himself. All right. I said, okay, well, we're done there. So that's great. You know, I I actually was gonna go. I actually was gonna make the joke of I'm back with my percolating pectorals. Oh, pectorals be wagon on. <laughs> no, Carl. He's eight months now, not three months. <laughs> Errol, Errol, Errol said he was two years old the other day. <laughs> uh, Carl no. also says uh, longest active playoff droughts in sports Mariners, Sacktown Kings yeah they're probably not they're probably going to be drought for a while in the Jets yeah. the, Mariner, the, the Mariners one might end soon though Carl let me tell you it, it's really you know interesting you know um, 
with all that we said, and I, I want to get Speedy's take on this. Um, you're a good man. You know that, Carl. I love Carl. He knows that. I text him, too. Um, what were – because I know you were at the game Sunday, the Met game. Now, your expectations were, oh, okay. Actually, it's kind of funny. My eight-month-old – that means he weighs my eight-month-old weighs more than just, you know, so – I never did that, but then I realized he said six month old, not six year old. So, <sighs> what were your expectations going into that game against Musgrove? Did you really think the Mets? I wanted to share show this by the way. If anybody could see it, there you go. My parents were at the game Sunday night, and they got me a Gil Hodges Mets Hall of Fame bobblehead. He was one of my mom's favorites growing up. But mm-hmm. did sense. you think the Mets? By the way, long overdue. Should have been in the Hall of Fame years ago. Shouldn't have taken this long. Um, did you think the Mets had a shot against Musgrove? Because it honestly really feels like since they got that game, um, they're, they're, they 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 the last two games against the Yankees. Then they they then they got the Marlins coming up, and then ever since Austin Riley said about the Braves, we're coming to get you. They've lost two games in the standings. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think the Mets had a shot in that game Sunday? I did. I, th- I thought it was just a matter of could they hit off I the didn't. Padres' bullpen. I wasn't expecting them to hit off Musgrove, which they didn't for up until the sixth inning. They were literally being no hit until the fifth inning. So. His whip is interesting. Yeah, well, After the third time in the order. Yeah, so, no, because he he's always one of those pitchers that he came up with the Astros, and he was never a big length guy there, even as a young pitcher. So yeah, that kind of thing makes sense. And the way he was no hitting the Mets for a while, maybe you thought, okay, that trend might continue. That trend might be the opposite this time because he wasn't struggling really at any point. Canna hit, got hit by a pitch. And there was a walk, and those were the only base runners. And it didn't really look like he was struggling that much until the sixth inning where the Mets got actually put together good at bats. They strung the, they strung base runners together. Obviously, Alonso then had the home run, which is actually right below where we were sitting, which was we, – we didn't see it, but we actually got a little bit of on-screen time on the replay of that home run, which was it, which was interesting. My uncle, my mother, and uh, my my brother were in the – were in the – shot of the replay of the home run on the ESPN broadcast, which was actually kind of cool. But yeah, they, it was, it was one of those things where I was just hoping maybe the bridge guys off the bullpen was where they were going to hit. I wasn't expecting it to be Musgrove in the sixth inning. I was like, let's just get his pitch count up, string the base runners together, which they were doing. And, but I, but Alonzo coming up, obviously anything's possible with him leading the national league in RBIs. So there's always a shot. I wasn't optimistic. I was hoping that it was going to be the bridge guys later. And I was finally impressed with Carrasco. He had a little bit of a rough patch towards the end of the all-star break, but now it started to turn it around, which is nice. Uh, uh, just this really quick in regards to the Herc, the the Flames Panthers trade. I thought the Panthers definitely, uh, not the Panthers, the, the Flames won that trade. Oh my god, yeah, I but love the, we- the Flames completely fleeced the the Panthers on that trade. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, I will say this. Now I've talked to you about this off the air. We, uh, I'm glad Carl brought up the Rays because I thought of a brilliant Speedy might know where I'm going with this. I it's a brilliant idea with what the Rays should do. And I talked to Arrow about this. Now I think Soto's getting what I think 16 and at point five for the next two years, if I'm not mistaken. If you want to pull up that contract, I I, I, I here's what the Tampa Bay Rays should do. And they're not going to do it. 
but I thought about this. The Tampa Bay Rays should absolutely when Speedy pulls out, because I, I need Speedy, I need Speedy to, to 17.1, give me a, 17.1 million this year, and then now, okay. then his next two years are arbitration three and four. Okay. Here's what the Rays should do. The Rays should trade for Soto, keep him this year, because the salary is low, and keep him next year. And then you trade him in the offseason, and you get a haul of prospects back. Soto. Wow. And that would be a Tampa Bay Ray. I've told you this before, haven't I? This I, idea or no? I, I don't think so. You don't think you told no, it I told directly Arrow. to he, me. He called me crazy, but he said it's, it's no, great. No, it, it, it would be the that would be the most Ray's thing to the do because they're 100, brilliant with that kind of thing. The Ray should 110 and they're not going to do it. No, I, I can't see them doing it either. No, but won't. it would be that would be their manipulation of the Soto market if they were to try. No, that. absolutely, they're not. No, I agree with you. They're not going to do it. But it to me, the salary is low enough at seventeen point one. Then you have the arbitration. You keep him for this year. You keep him for next year. And then you trade him in your offseason with one more year left, and you get a haul of prospects back. So you get a year and a half out of Soto. Then you trade him. That's what I think the Rays should do. Because their farm system is good, but it's not as great as it like once was because everybody's kind of starting to graduate at this point. Um, I mean, they're probably still top 10. I would just say not as currently constructed, but don't no, be surprised if they rise to towards first. the offseason. Yeah. Yeah, you're used to seeing them in first or second, right? Like yeah. you're used to the race. Somebody, to yeah. They're used, usually they're, they're usually there with the Padres, the Cardinals. The usual teams that are always there. Um, but that to me would be an idea that I take, and I go, "That's a great idea." The Tampa Rays should definitely do. They're not going to do it, but um, let's get into the trade deadline talk, Speedy. Okay, so it is still top five. All right, Rays farm system is okay, still top five. And Carl, okay, so, I, I don't think the Ray, I, I don't think the Mariners are going to knock the Rays out of the playoffs. That's not what I said. I had the Rays in as a wild card at the start of the season too. And yes, by the way, Cubs Reds will be garbage. Once Contreras is absolutely traded. Um, and Ian Happ <laughs> will probably be traded, too. Yes. Um, and so will Luis Castillo, possibly. So that game's going to really suck. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's still field a great concept. I love the Field, field of Dreams says, uh, nah, we'll pass on this one. Yeah, it's still a field, It's still a great concept. Um, yes. Oh, look at that. The Mets made a trade. The Mets have acquired outfielder Tyler Naquin and left-handed pitcher Philip Deal from the tr- with the Reds. Ooh, all right. That's that's that's, that's encouraging. A that's, a, that's a small trade. That's encouraging though, because I like I said with Dan, I think they really need lefties though in the Mets. Yeah, I mean it's a small trade. I think they probably had to take on Naquin in the deal too. Boy, that came up popping on our show. I didn't expect that to happen. There you go. We got breaking news um, finally. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a snore trade. I know that. I I know that. Trust me. Is Naquin even like having a good year? I'm trying to figure that out now. Because, yeah, he's been good in certain years, but he's been also very injury-prone. Well, Gil's so. having a pretty nice year for the Reds, though. 245, six homers, 31 RBIs. Yeah, okay, they not. had to take him on the – but how's – so, Neil, how's Gil doing this year? So, what? how do I spell this last name? E-I-E-H-L. E-I-E-H-L. Bill Deal. Oh, so, oh, so it's spelled like David Deal. Nice. I already like it already. Oh, there you go. Now, what are, what are his numbers? That's the key I want to get to. He has, uh, yeah. Oh no, he's, he hasn't played much. He's just a. He looks. It looks like a guy who made one bad uh, outing. He's played pitched in six games and hasn't done much. 
five what's games his, and hasn't done much. He's what's his ERA? Uh, in the double digits. So he's a guy that hasn't pitched much. So I don't know. Okay, so he, it's as minor well, of a deal as it gets. Okay. Yeah, it's just a, I guess it's just for like depth and stuff like that. I think this is what. It's yeah, for. again, like the lower can, level minor leaguers going back to the Reds. So they relief pitchers um, are very tough to judge because they could be. Francisco Alvarez hit a walk off for Triple A tonight. So nice. There you go. You know. There you go. But relief pitchers are tough to judge because their ERA is so rigged by a few outings that maybe he has better stuff than we realize. I really don't know anything about this guy. But, again, lefty depth is definitely something that is necessary. So we'll see if it's a piece. I don't know. It's, you're right. It's, and the it's Angels a small want, thing right going to people, they want your four top prospects for Otani. So the Mets would have to trade Alvarez, Beatty, Matt Allen and Ronnie Mauricio. Yeah. No, sorry. It would have to be – actually, no. It would probably have to be Alvarez, Beatty, Mauricio, and Alex Ramirez. Mm-hmm. That would be the four they would have to trade. That's not happening. Yeah. yeah that's not going to happen. I think this is just more of a trade for um, – I think just for, like, depth. This is they're not. This is not all they're doing. Don't worry about it. This no, no, no. It's definitely not all they're doing. As Dan was mentioning, the Mets are going to be very active at the trade deadline. Now, yeah, I especially mean, with the farm a system a, that's a, finally revitalized again. I mean, it's just a debt move. They're probably going to stash the guys in AAA. Um, you know, Naquin may stay. He, Naquin's probably in. You know, Jankowski might be the one that's out possibly. Um, yeah. Yes, everybody is having a better year than Patrick Corbin. Here's the problem, though, Carl, is that if you take on Juan Soto. You're going to have to take on Patrick Corbin's contract, which Dan said earlier, and I've been saying it for the last two weeks, it's going to completely hurt the value because the Nationals completely screwed up last year by trading Scherzer and Turner in the same freaking trade last year. And the only thing that they got out of that was Kiva Ruiz because Josiah Gray has been extremely mediocre at best, even though he's young. And Kiva Ruiz, we're all saying he's having a great year. He's hitting like 240 this year. So that trade better freaking work out for the Nationals. No slander, my man Josiah. I broadcasted him in his summer league. Well, a while ago, I mean, so I'm, he's know. the one. He's the one like division rival. I'll root for him individually. Oh well, so obviously this is not what the Mets are doing. They're just doing this for depth moves because they need it. And obviously, you don't want to see like Travis Blankenhorn and stuff. <laughs> like, no, Travis Blankenhorn can only play one game a year. That's the pattern. Yeah, I right mean, um, I think this also signals that JD Davis is going to be traded um, as well as. Dominic Smith, they're both going to be traded. Yeah. This is what this alludes to me, because I think Naquin's going to be the replacement for Davis then, mm. is what this alludes to me as. Um, with the trade deadline coming up next Tuesday, oh, God, your show's going to be nuts next Tuesday. I might have to call in. Mm. Oh, my God. Um, where do you – give me some names. I'm going to pop off names for you. I want you to guess where you think these names go, if they stay where they are or where they go, okay? Ooh, all right. I like it. Okay, here we go. First name, Josh Bell. Josh Bell. I just threw a curveball right at you first pitch. I threw you a Max Scherzer curve slider. Uh, Josh Bell, I will say San Francisco. Okay. I'm going to say Astros. Okay. Uh, J.D. Martinez. He stays. Stays. If the Mets get Contreras... And whatever Benetendi costs, Martinez is going to be less. I could see him on the Mets. Okay. I could see the Mets making – the Mets are going to do ridiculous things on Tuesday. They might even do things that might make you pull your hair out, honestly. I hope not. Um, Luis Castillo. 
Luis Castillo. Oh, I, originally, I was thinking Twins for a while, but I don't know. They've kind of they've kind of shied away. Uh, Luis Castillo. I I will say. I'm gonna say the Astros. I was thinking Astros too. I think the Yankees are starting to lean in that direction for Castillo. Okay. Now the only thing is the Astros, the Yankees want the the Reds want Volpe. Yeah, makes the sense. The Yankees don't want to give up Volpe. They no. only want to give up Volpe for Soto. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah, you're definitely not getting it. Though. Um, okay. Juan Soto. I don't think he gets traded this year. I I I'm leading Padres kind of in the off season, but I don't think he gets traded this year. I'm the same. I think he stays. Yeah. I think Soto stays. I think with a player like that, you have to be cautious. Yeah. Uh, Shohei Otani. He stays, too. I don't stays. think he'll be able to. I think it was just too sudden. Like, the rumors only kind of started, like, last week. I think that's a little too. If Like, if it was an ongoing thing, like Soto, when it started, like, in the middle of the season, I could have seen it. But I think it's too sudden right now. <laughs> I love what Carl said. Corbin has as many losses in a year as half. In a year and a half, as Jameis did when he threw 30 picks. Well, Jameis also did throw 5,000 yards that season. I don't think Corbin has done anything <laughs> as successful as that. All right, this will get Carl ready. Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras. Oh, that is tough. I think... You know what? I'm going to say the race. I think they need so much offense. That's their big swing. I don't think it'll be Soto. I think it's the Mets. Okay. I think he and Robinson are both going to the Mets. Okay. I think Vientos is going to head that package in that trade, and that's what I think is going to happen. Clearly, they're not moving up Vientos because they know he struggles against certain pitching in AAA, and they don't want to bring him up to the majors because they don't want his value to get hurt. That's why they haven't brought him up yet. That's the only thing I can think of as why they didn't bring him up yet. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, David Robertson. Mets. I agree with you on the Mets. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That one, that one I did think is going to happen. Trey Mancini. Ooh. Um, I think he stays. Me and my wife. Melissa, you want to get in on this? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she goes, no. <laughs> um, who are other names that we've been hearing that I haven't said? Oh, uh, Andrew Chafin. Come on, Mets. Yeah, I know you got it. I think that, that'll be the big one for them. The Mets are going to make multiple moves for the ball. That's what I, that, that's my two. Being yeah. out now, yeah. I think, I think Chafin. You're, you're going to see, at the end of the trade deadline, you're going to see Trevor May, Andrew Chafin, David Robertson, Adam Adovino, Edwin Diaz, David Peterson, Seth Lugo, and Ed Bolton. That Bolton's going to be completely overhauled. Uh, Car- uh, Carl says Ian Happ. I was just getting to Ian Happ next. Okay, geez, he's like my son with the food. He can't wait. All right, <laughs> Ian Happ. <laughs> that's a good one, Ian Happ. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, I, I could see. Hmm. I could see the Padres. That's a good one. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the the other one I was thinking, but they won't trade him in division. Was the Brewers too? But yeah, I'll, I'll I'll agree with you on that. I'll say the Padres. I don't think anyone else really obvious contenders need him. Interesting one that nobody has talked about yet because we don't know what they're going to do. Jock Peterson. Ooh. <sighs> because we don't know which way the Giants are swinging. Yeah, the thing I, it is they want to stay competitive. Because we know that they're probably once Judge hits the market, 
they're probably the favorites. I'm going to say he stays because I think the Giants also don't have a lot of those big contracts they used to. So I think I think they feel like they can keep a lot of guys. I think they're going to be either buyers like small or like they'll just stay pat. I don't think they're going to sell. Carl says the Padres are in deep talks for Contreras and Hap. The Mets are in deep talks for Robertson and Contreras too. So, I mean, I don't think anybody knows anything until Jeff Passan reports it or yeah. it's Ken Rosenthal. I can't. Do you know how many of these stupid little MLB nerds or MLB leagues, these Twitter handles are making up stories? Dude, the other day, MLB nerds said the Mets are, are closing in on acquiring Trey Mancini. Dude, dude, that was Saturday. Yeah. It's now Thursday. And the Orioles are above 500. So yeah, really. A, I mean, it's, it's not, like. I don't think they were thinking that at the time, like, just because they had the winning streak, but then they, they get that, after that they, they lose against the Rays all those times. All of a sudden, it's going to swing one way again. Like, the, or, the Orioles are in the same boat like that. Alexander Bogarts. He stays. I think it's a mistake. Yeah, I think what's going to happen, though. Carl, I have the greatest sauces on the <laughs> planet, okay? I think, that's a fact, Jack. I think what's going to happen with Bogarts is they're going to – I think Heim Bloom is going to ask for more than what the market will present itself. Well, then he's going to walk, so they might want to be – Yeah, and I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to end up getting stuck as a result. So the minor leaguers going back from the Mets are second baseman Hector Rodriguez – and Jose Acuna. Okay. So nobody. Yeah. Great. That was good. Okay, that was worth reading. Great trade. <laughs> That's as good as the Field of Dreams game this year. Yes. Um, Tyler Malley. Tyler Malley. Hmm. Everybody needs starting pitching. Yes. Yes, they do. No, I he, can see the Astros. He'll definitely be, he'll definitely be traded. I can see the Astros. Uh, that's a good one. I'll say the twins. I'll say the twins for this one because I thought of them for Castillo, so I think they they settle for that. Is there anybody else we forgot? Uh, that is a good what question. Other names that we heard. Uh, all right, Bard. Bard, we didn't do. Daniel Bard. Uh, Yankees. I will say the yeah, Cardinals. Gonna piss off. I'm going to say the Cardinals. Yeah, gonna, they're going to piss off all the Red Sox fans and just get former Red Sox players. Benatendi and Bard. <laughs> That'd be funny. The killer bees. I'll, I'll say the Cardinals just because they have a lot of bullpen injuries right now and outside of Well, Gallegos has been a disaster this well, year. Yeah, that too. And I mean, holy crap. I drafted him in fantasy with Hater. Oh, I drafted him too in one of my category well, league. In my category league. And Pete, let me say something. Pete Alonso ruined that guy. <laughs> Pete Alonso ruined that guy. That guy he had a bomb off a off of Gallegos and he has blown like six saves since then. It's ridiculous. All right, here's one. Frankie Montez. Frankie Montez is a good one. Yep. Um I had the Yankees getting Castillo already, and I had the Astros they're not gonna trade within the division, so he's not gonna go to the Astros. Um I can see the Dodgers. Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. I can see the Dodgers doing it. Um, Dodgers are going to get somebody big. They always do. This is what they do every year uh, to me. Oh, Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz. How about about back where he started, Milwaukee? Milwaukee would be a good one. I think Mm -hmm. that they need that. They have no thumper. Yes. Oh, (coughs) excuse me. 
What do we got? Uh, the Marlins are having another fire sale. Garrett Cooper. That's an interesting one. My buddy Matt wants him. You know what it is? That is one I could I could see for the Dodgers because they love getting those random guys that just to rebirth them like the Marlins. He was, an, was he, he was an all-star this year, though. Yeah. No, I know that. Like, the guys you wouldn't expect them to be good, and they'll make him even better like they did with Taylor, like they did with Justin no, I Turner. See, yeah, I know. I, I feel like that's a kind of trade I could see them making. Oh, man. Um... Nelson Cruz back to the race. That'd be a good one too, Carl. I like yeah, that. Yeah, Nelson Cruz back they to the race. Need a in that lineup. Oh, I it's get... crazy. We haven't. I mean, I'm sure the Braves will maybe. No, I'm sorry. The Braves got their acquisition already. They got Robinson Cano. They're good <laughs> for one whole dollar. Holy crap! Did you see what he did against Philadelphia the other day? No, I didn't. Oh my god, he cost him the game. Oh, classic. He struck out three times, twice with the bases loaded, both times, and then he made two errors that cost him three runs. <laughs> yeah. That whole dollar wasn't, dude, that dollar was not worth it at this point, man. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if you're classic Robinson dollar, Cano. You, think you should call it a career at that point, Speedy. If you're getting traded for a dollar, just. Eh, no, nah, he, he just wanted to. This isn't my he, game anymore. No, nah, he, wa- he wants to wait it out just to stick it to the Mets more, probably. <laughs> He could stick whatever he wants to the Mets. He was the only one to hit the Mets pitching in the I know. Series. I know. That's what that I want. Griffey is still collecting cash from the Reds, and Bonilla is still cashing in from the Mets, and Ricky Pietro Arrow's favorite player is still cashing in from the Islanders. That's Rats. right. Yes. Yes. God, okay. No, it just shows the Reds' dysfunction a little bit all at once. But I'm not. Is, is Tyler Naquin even having a good year? It was 245, six home runs, 31 RBIs. What does he even play? Was 305. Um, he's a, yeah, he plays a little center field and then left field. So that, that, that might be the end for Jankowski. Does he steal bases? Not this year. I know he has in the past. Because if he does, and that's the end of Jankowski then. Yeah, because when he first came up with Cleveland, that was one of his big things is they were using him because they, they had barely any outfield depth at that time. Even their team that went to the world series outside of, yeah, outside of Kipnis, when they started putting him in the outfield, didn't have much of that. So when Nick, yeah, went, no, because it, yeah, if, if that's what they're getting, I, I don't know how Jankowski survives unless, like I said, they honestly, they're probably just going to trade Davis. Then he's that's what I'm the, thinking. He, yeah, he's probably the Davis replacement. Because probably- here's the thing: Davis is was on the team mainly for hitting lefties well and and contacting. Now, the one thing he is ahead of is the hard hit rate. So analytically, yeah, maybe that's great. Expect- he hits him right to the field. I know. Great. So analytically, you're thinking maybe he he should like his luck should turn at some point. Yeah. No, he he's either the replacement for Davis or he's the replacement for Dom. Yeah, because I, and, think, I think both of them are going to be traded. Right. What what Dom was interesting though, because his market was very up and down throughout the year. Where you have a guy that's a left-handed hitter, his that, market is up now. There's like five teams interested in him, and I'm like, why? But well, again, the defense will contribute some of it, depending on what trade you end up getting him in. Because actually, for the first time in a while, there isn't a lot of great first baseman in the league. Like I like Carl's question. More annoying, Dusty Baker's toothpick, Chuck Dalbach's throws the first, or Jose Atuve in general. <laughs> um, Chuck Dalbach's throws the first are funny. He had a freaking grandmother in the stands when he threw the ball into the into the bleachers that time. That was funny. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the toothpick. Uh, Jose Altuve, he's only annoying recently, so yeah, I'll go with Nobloch. <laughs> I'll go with Nobloch. I mean, Nobloch's throw the first. I mean, Carl Cunt, he threw a bone, he hit a grandma in the in the, in the fan in the stands. Yeah. With his throw to first. It was awesome. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But 
Yeah, back to Naquin, though, I think he's he's a good hitter comparatively. He's not a massive stolen base guy and a d- defense guy. So he's kind of a little bit of a hybrid of a lot of things, but like, there's no like obvious thing it could take. But Smith is an interesting one if they do want to trade another lefty, if there are teams that need left-handed left-handed guys that could and his defense at first base I think is something that is something that you might not find anywhere else, anywhere else in this current trade market as it is because a lot of them are either bulky hitters or like young players that are just emerging at first base there's not a lot of great first basemen in the league right now as no, weird as it really sounds not. I mean in the National League you got you have Goldschmidt and you have Alonzo you have Freeman and then it's like you, you know, you yeah, a lot of other fringe type guys. Yeah, after like fringe that. guys like yeah. ha- like Hoskins, you know, Hoskins. I've never been a big guy. Hoskins guy, but yeah, it's a stretch. Even Matt, you know. Matt Olson's having a middle of the road year, like he's yeah, good power there. year, but not great everywhere else. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I in the American League. I mean. Listen, Rizzo's hitting like two fifteen this year. Doesn't like nobody talk about that. Like Anthony Rizzo's yeah, his like his year is kind of like Olsen's. Like he's having he's a nice like power two, year, yeah. but yeah. Olsen's having a Olsen literally hits for power and he's hitting I think two fifty. Anthony oh, Rizzo's hitting like two. Anthony Rizzo's hitting like two twenty. Nobody's talking about that. Yeah, and you're I'm right. Olsen, Olsen like, did climb to 252. Okay, last time. Yeah, I, and like I, last time I checked, they were, he was in the 230s. Yeah, it's horrible. Like I'm trying to think in the American League, who is the? Yeah, there's. Oh, no, he's watching. It says he's yeah, watching. There's, there, I mean, Seattle. Whoever they rotate over there, they got a lot of infielders. That some of them play first, some of them don't. But then that's really it. You got, I guess, Jared Walsh and the Angels. He's pretty good. I say he's been a good player. Yeah, but I mean, you. you here's the thing. Okay, so. AOS, like, what, 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 what's his name? Yes, Carl, that's what oh, I yeah, said, Ty France, Ty France. I said, but he doesn't always play first all the time, though, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, they have good infielders, though, yes. I don't know, but uh, obviously, but before we before we head off the air, a few more things. Do you expect the trade deadline to be crazy Tuesday, or do you expect it to be quiet? Somewhere in between. I think a lot of the pitchers will be the ones that get end up getting traded. I don't think you're going to see as many hitters getting traded because I don't most think... Most active team after. Most... Keep going, most active team after. Most active team. That is a good question. You know, a few people have said that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yes, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of them have said that. Um, that's a good question. Who will end up... I'm going to say... I'm going to say the Astros. I think they're going to be very active. You did the Astros? Yeah. I'm going to say the Mets. All right. I think the Mets are going to go bonkers on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they're going to make a move that's going to make me be so pissed off. Yeah, they, they tend to have one, like, weird move. Whether it's... Like, they're going to get, like, freak. They're going to get. Oh, here's a guy to get back. Michael Fulmer. <laughs> That'll be their weird move. Hey, listen, Fulmer's having a good year. I like so. Fulmer. No, they'll get Javi Baez back. Javi Baez. They'll attach Javi Baez with Fulmer and Chafin. Instead that'll be the, trading Pico Armstrong that'll be the great we'll package. Trade, we'll trade Alex Ramirez. That's what we'll do. There we go. We'll there, trade another outfield prospect. The, the, the package of three players. Javi Baez comes back with the two relievers, <laughs> Fulmer and Chafin. <laughs> oh, man. Before we head off the air, uh, a couple of quick notes. I was seeing the NFL today, Speedy. We had a big injury that happened. Ryan Jensen, one of the best centers in football. It's looking like his season might be over already by what it's been sounding like. 
Like, what what do you? How does that change the dynamic for what Tom Brady and company do this season? Well, you're gonna have to think that Brady is going to have to force the ball a lot out a lot quicker because. In addition to that, they also lost Alex Kappa to the Bengals, who was their other starting guard. Ali Marpet retired. So you went from one of the best offensive lines and interior offensive lines in the league to now a lot of question marks in that area, too. They didn't really address it during the draft either. I think they had a second or third round pick on the offensive line, but I think he was a tackle. So I, their interior guy for a 43-year-old quarterback in Tom Brady, that could create a lot of how different the offense is. Remember, you don't have Bruce Arians there anymore either, which I think helped... Th- help that scheme out. Yeah, they brought in Julio Jones, but Julio Jones is coming off a very injury-riddled year, so how good will he be? Chris Godwin's coming off a bad injury, too. So there's it's a lot Julio of... Julio Jones, though, but he's a little over the hill at this point. Yeah, I, I think they're going to probably use him more as that big bo- big body to kick away from Evans, but I, I don't know. But for for that offensive line, though, they're going to have a lot of trouble. Remember, that it was a big issue for them in 2019 before they got Brady, too. Now, so, some of that's with Jameis, understandable, but holding on the ball too long. But Jameis also got that run, so you shouldn't be a guy that allows that many sacks, too, for somebody that can escape. So I think it's actually kind of worrisome when you're dealing with three guys already be having to be replaced all at once. Could be very tricky. Now, Brady, obviously, with a quick release, I think he'll be – He'll find a way to make it work. Tampa should be fine in terms of in terms of winning the division, I think. But in terms of long term for the postseason, that could be a tough thing to have, to, uh, like a matchup advantage that teams that have good interior rushes inside might be able to expose it. And Tom Brady, his, most of his struggles have come against teams that rush power, rush interior, like like the Eagles, like the Giants when they had those great defensive lines. You look at the Ravens when they had all those bull rushing type guys. Those are the teams that do the best against Brady, not as much the edge rushers and not as much the flashy pass rushers. Well, Speedy, it was a pleasure. Yes, absolutely. It it was was. awesome. Great, great, great show tonight. Uh, I want to thank both of our guests that, that, that came on, you know, Dan and Jed Jack both coming on tonight. Appreciate them both joining us. Uh, Carlos, um, one more question. Uh, prop bets, more Jets wins or Julio Jones touchdowns? I will say Jets wins on that one. Who asked that question? Carl. Jet wins, but yeah, not by that I, much. No, I don't think by that much. Maybe like a seven to five or something like that. It's It won't be, yeah, it's close. <clears> but yeah, I, I just don't know if he could stay healthy enough to have as many touchdowns even in his peak he had a lot of years look how many years did he have that touchdown drought too it took him like you went like 16 Holy, games. Julio? julio jones in 27 yeah, well, that was that was 2017 to like 18 yeah he was he wasn't really fully healthy remember he had, i think he had the didn't he have the turf toe issue he had, he had a had call I, but i think he only missed two games that season it wasn't much it was also they had more weapons at the time and everything like that. Yeah, they had the Gabriel around. and Sanu and Hooper. Yeah, they still had all those yeah, guys. Yeah, you the had a lot team. of yeah. different weapons that were around there at the time. But I think, you know, like I said, I, I, I first off, I, I want to thank uh, Speedy so much for letting me join him tonight and doing yeah. the show with him. I had so much fun doing it. I know he and I were both looking forward to doing it. It like, was like old times again. And I want to thank Errol for letting me fill in for him tonight. And just being able to do something that I generally, generally do love doing. And that's whether it's talking wrestling with Lyle on Fridays or talking sports with Errol and Speedy. This is what I love doing. Um, Speaking obviously, of- yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be coming back to sports loudmouths. Obviously, I will fill in. Um, Speaking of wrestling, yes. I'll give you your little banner on the bottom. Promote yes, yourself. Yeah. Thank you. Look at that. Speedy. Well, thank you, sir. Look at that. 
get the royal treatment. I would say roll out the red carpet, but it's blue. So you rolled out the blue carpet for me. Look at you. I mean, um, I could make it red if I wanted to. No, it's okay. Yeah, I like the blue, though. It's a nice, nice touch. It's different. It's unique. It's different. I like the little ticker. I like that. Mm-hmm. We see red on on Fridays at Off the Mat. But, um, but no. Um, and I did read the comments. Yes, Carl. I, again, as I do get the comments, I don't know why it says it boots me off. So I will get to the comments tomorrow. But um, I do want to thank all the fans out there for, for bringing me back. Uh, I appreciate not getting insulted tonight. Thank you so much for that. That was great. That's such a positive thing. Positive vibes only. That's what Rob Sal is wearing now at training camp is positive vibes only. But um, like I said, Arrow will be back Tuesday. Um, and you guys will continue doing what you're doing, which is making the show great. Um, I'll hop on whenever I can, whenever he needs a breather or you need a breather or anything like that. I will gladly hop on. I'll call in. I continue to listen. And I'm still on my show Friday uh, with Lyle on Off the Mat every for every Friday from 6 to 7 here on this Worldwide Sports Radio Network and on Bodyslam.net. Um, I greatly appreciate it. Um, where, Lyle will, where Lyle will bash Alex in the beginning of the show for something and then try As to defend the Nationals. Well, we have a great show tomorrow. We're going to be discussing the Vince McMahon stuff, the fallout of it. Vince McMahon, if you haven't heard, has officially retired, so we're going to discuss that tomorrow. We're going to get into some AEW conversation tomorrow, and we're going to talk all about SummerSlam Saturday and all that stuff tomorrow that's going on. Triple H is running WWE now, so it's crazy, crazy times. Um, Oh, God. Let me tell you something. He's, he'll still tell you he had a bad season this past year. Meanwhile, the Islanders didn't do anything to, to help nope. him this offseason. No, uh, again. Uh, again. Um, it is extremely late for me. I am never up at this time. And Speedy knows this, too. That's it's right. crazy. I'm never up at this time. I'm, I'm in bed by 10 o'clock. That's why, that's, why you never, that's why you never saw the banner in the past. I always put it on at the end. And you're never that's what I'm for saying. That. I never did. Never, ever, ever did. No, but I really do appreciate Speedy for letting me help him out this week and for bringing me back and, the, you know, Arrow for letting me come on and the fans. And thank you so much to all of you out there for continuing not just to support this show or off the map, but continue just to support the Worldwide Sports Radio Network for what we're trying to do here. And it's really getting to places where you want it to go. That's it for us. Uh, tune in tomorrow at 6 o'clock. I'll be back with Lyle, and Speedy will be on, too. And it's going to be great. You guys got the trade deadline next Tuesday. Oh, yeah. It's Hopefully the Mets will have two relievers show. by then and another lefty. That would be nice. I'll say get rid of the empty chair. No, that's the that's the ghost. Oh, of, that one. That's the, oh. that's the ghost of Tyler Harrison. Oh. Too soon. No, I'm not. He still thinks I'm a loser, by the way, because I made that joke about him about the January 6th riots. Oh, well, yeah. He, apparently that really we hit told him, him not to go there, but. Apparently they hit him in the nads really hard. Yeah, we told him. What are the to new go. hours of the show, Speedy? Well, still the, same the, hours. The, the, the hours are changing in August. It's still to be determined at the moment. Oh, they are changing. See they are mean? changing, yes. That is still to be determined at the moment, Carl. Is so it because, I think, because wise guys are. No, it has to do with whatever Errol's going to be getting involved in potentially. But no, uh, we'll, we'll likely be. We'll likely. Will likely be changing either the day or the time, depending on that. But wise guys, well, yeah. well see that this is news that I just found out about too. Look yeah, it's still to be determined at the moment, Carl. So we'll TBD is what they say. That's what the Washington Nationals like to throw out every now and then. A TBD for pitcher the next day. Hmm. Oh, well, you're telling me Josiah Gray can't pitch four days in a row. Oh, that's a shame. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, really quick, I also love to just read out. Mets view like Naquin as another left-handed hitter to increase versatility. Jankowski's spot is like gone. Um, against right-handed pitching, Mets can go Naquin in left, Yorme at third, keep McNeil at second against left-handed pitching, Cannon left, Escobar at third, can also. So there you go. So basically, Jarvis Jankowski is probably gone. So yeah, that. what's that way? But thank you so much, fans, everybody, for tuning in. I will see all of you, Speedy. I will see. It's on dog. Speedy, oh my Speedy is DVD on dog. <laughs> no, Carl. No. <laughs> and on that note, Speedy and I will see. You, we'll see you guys tomorrow, right here on off the right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network with Off the Mat. Don't forget to check out the Worldwide Sports Radio Network in general. It's a free app. If you have an if you have an iPhone, go to the Apple Store. Type in WWSRN. If you have an Android, go to the Google Play Store, type in Worldwide Sports, check us out on WorldWideSportsRadio.com. You can listen to us on the audio feed and your smart speaker as well. It's great. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch. And if you love Arrow's Snapchats where he just tries to come up with questions for Speedy to make him uncomfortable, check that out too. It's a wonderful thing. You know. So usually it's about sticking fruit up his ass or something like that. So it's one yeah, of those. some random combination. And something like that or about Speedy's mom or something like that. That's one of the two. Yeah. So that's it for us, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great night. Enjoy your sports this week coming up. Enjoy the trade deadline. And we will talk to you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Arrow and Speedy will be back with you guys on Tuesday. Have a good night, everybody. Take care. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Sports Loudmouths here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.